Welcome to Bad Puns and Machine Guns, the podcast where we watch and discuss every Arnold Schwarzenegger movie one at a time, and maybe the occasional surprise as well. I'm Mike Olson. And I'm Kevin Keen, and today we're discussing The Terminator, starring Arnold Schwarzenegger, Michael Bean, Linda Hamilton, Lance Hendrickson, Rick Rosevich, Bess Mata, Earl Bowen, and Paul Winfield as Lieutenant Traxler. I don't know why he gets a special credit, but whatever. Written by James Cameron with Gail Ann Hurd, directed by James Cameron. Thank God, the Terminator, we're here. We are. What probably made this podcast possible is my guess, because without a Schwarzenegger career, we don't have a Schwarzenegger-driven uh, podcast, right? That's for sure. I mean, this is, this is certainly the movie that launched him into the stratosphere, you know, made him a movie star. And James Cameron, for that matter, as in terms of uh, the beginning of his career. Yeah, absolutely. And, it, and it's, it's a great movie. You know, I don't know when the last time I watched it, probably been at least four or five years, uh, and, you know, I think Terminator 2 kind of overshadows it in some ways, unfortunately, but the Terminator's a great movie. It really is. Yeah, I, I, I think I looked at it this way, and it's been a long time since I've sat and watched the entire thing. I think the efficiency, maybe, is the way to put it for what the budget of this movie is. Yeah. That's what's most impressive. Because you're right, T2 overshadows it. And when I'm asked, you know, by people who, uh, who don't watch movies as much as, as we do... You know, are there, you know, off the top of your head, has there ever been a sequel that's better than the original? The first one that always comes to mind is, is T2. And, you know, a lot of that has to do with the budget T2 had and technology yeah. having changed, you know, in, in eight plus years or whatever it was. Yeah. But when I went back and watched this, what I, I had in my notes near the top is for the budget, because I've seen a lot of low budget movies, for the budget, this is really impressive. It really is. And, and it's efficient in all sorts of ways. It is efficient in uh, budget ways, but it's also. Just a really straightforward, straight ahead. Like it doesn't, you know. There, you could maybe argue that it gets distracted with itself a little bit in terms of like the police procedural pieces, which kind of dead end at some point. But other than that stuff, this movie is just—it's just like a shark. It's just moving forward at all times. And you know, it's—it's uh, it's funny because I'm, I'm editing the Stay Hungry episode now, and just the contrast between that. Where that's just a movie that meanders, is, does, is not does not have any direction. This movie is just like a bullet out of a gun. It's great. Yeah, and um, so as uh, as you alluded to, the, the year was interesting to me in a couple of ways. But I think what I noticed more this time going through the Terminator, uh, maybe because I was looking for different things to to talk about. Obviously, this is one a movie that everybody's going to know is, yeah. but. What it really reminded me of, and this was kind of the, the heyday, or at least maybe the beginnings, uh, it really fits in almost to the slasher kind of horror genre. Oh, absolutely. You know, I'm not going to say more than sci-fi, but that, that definitely is the vibe. When you really watch, watch this, that's, that's what I see now. Is I see, wow, this, you know, take the T-800 out and insert Michael Myers or insert you know, Jason Voorhees or, or pick your slasher. Yeah, it's the unstoppable killer kind of trope, but at the same time, it's taking that and putting it in a new context in this like time travel sci-fi context. Uh, but you're absolutely right. I don't know if you noticed, uh, it's a detail that I've never noticed before, but then, I, you know, really scrutinizing these movies as we're doing. Uh, the day that Reese goes back in time, it's Thursday the 12th, and then the next day is when the bulk of the movie happens. It's it's a Friday the Thirteenth. No, I didn't notice that. And it's it's very like sneakily done, and I don't know if it really it was intentional or you know a, a nod or whatever. But yeah, yeah. And, and if you think about what it was, if you if you put it in that category and think about what it's up against, 
Uh, you know, the first Halloween is pretty great, but I'd say Terminator is a better movie. I mean, the Friday the 13th movies are all trash, you know. <laughs> I liked them when I was a kid, but they're trash. Uh, you know, you think about, like, is there a slasher movie that holds up to this? And I don't think there is. I think it's really the top of that. If, if you're going to think of it in that way, it's the top of the genre. Yeah, and it's, it, it's interesting. I um, have some other things for, you know, towards the end of what the competition was and kind of what was going on, uh, as we've done on, on some of Arnold's other movies. Okay. But one of the ones at the, at the top of the list I'll just mention now is the Nightmare on Elm Street and Robert Englund. The, the first Nightmare on Elm Street comes out in, uh, in 1984, as this is. Hmm. And one of the other interesting things is, is that this movie opened in late October. I don't know if it was the 26th or the 27th, but The Terminator effectively was a, was a Halloween movie. So I don't know if that was oh, yeah. the, uh, the intention from the studio is that's what they, they thought they were going for. But kind of all those things kind of came together. And as I was putting my notes together and, and um, wanted to get it kind of into the discussion. It's funny. I forgot to add in our intro. We always put the release date and I forgot to do it this time. So I missed the fact that it was released. Yeah, October, released in October 1984. So yeah, yep. Halloween movie. And, and it wasn't early October. It was, it was late. I've, I've got it here for you know, later. But um, so kind of all those things are uh, very, very interesting. Yeah, absolutely. We were comparing the Terminator 2. I was just curious because, uh, you know, considering our age, because we were not old enough at the time to be aware of the Terminator. This came out in 84. We were both very young. So did you see Terminator 2 first or did you see this first? Oh, uh, that is an excellent question. My recollection is I wound up seeing this first, but very, very short. There was a short window between. Okay. T2 was coming out. Saw the hype and don't think it was Blockbuster. I wish I could remember the name of the local video store. Was it Video One? Uh, video One, thank you. <laughs> it's been so long, but yes, Video One, where I went and rented many Nintendo games as well. I'm pretty sure I got that because my brother, my, my brother's 13 years older than me, wanted to uh, go see Terminator 2, so insisted. Yeah, that, uh, that I needed to see the original. I'm sure it helps to have an older brother to, to introduce you to these things because. Yep. Uh, and video one reference, there's going to be like two people. <laughs> the only two people who are going to know that reference are people that we know because that's yes. like the most local of video stores. Yes. Uh, yeah, that was the, the it's classic. The kind of, it's the kind of video store I envisioned Quentin Tarantino was working in when, um, or he'd like to work in. Uh, but when he wrote, you know, Reservoir Dogs, that's the type of video store. It's not not a chain that I envision him in. Whether or not that's true doesn't really matter. That's what I envision him in. Yeah, it was a very uh, mom and pop place. But, yes. Uh, yeah, I, I I didn't have anyone like that to introduce me to these things. So I definitely did not see the Terminator until years later, definitely after Terminator 2. And watching it this time, I was trying to place myself in that mindset of like, okay, I'm going to try and try and pretend like I'd never seen a Terminator movie before. And it's really interesting, and you know, we, we can get into the details, but the fact that you don't see that iconic Terminator skeleton until the end... You know, my memories get got so mixed up because in my mind, the beginning that whole there's a whole sequence at the beginning where they, you show you see the future, and it has a text explaining that the machines are you know they rule the world, etc. Uh, but you never see a Terminator. They're sa- they save it for the end, and just my memory was playing tricks on me, saying like, "Well, surely a Terminator is going to march in. You know, he's going to step on that skull. It's like, oh yeah. no, that, that's Terminator too. I'm thinking of. Now that you mention that, that's really what's burned into my memory. Right. Um, is yes. The, the crushing of the skull, and you're right, it's in, in Terminator 2. So I guess in some ways, it's interesting, they, they kind of take the, the Jaws approach, which is don't, don't show your hand too early, and maybe that's what makes it good. Uh, I, you know, kind of Jurassic Park is that way, the original, where they give you some dinosaurs, but you know, not a ton, and certainly you know, wait well into the movie. Um, 
So maybe there's there's something to that that recipe for success. Yeah, and that, that could have also been actually much like Jaws, where that was more of a logistics problem, where it's like, oh, the, the shark doesn't work. Let's just not show it until later. This could have been a budget issue of just like, well, right. we it's expensive. Yeah, we built this robot, you know, or maybe it was still in the process of being built, or who knows? I'm not sure. But uh, uh, either way, it's it's funny how little you see of the Terminator as the metal skeleton. I mean, obviously you see plenty of Arnold as the Terminator. You see plenty, but you don't hear much from him. No, what does he have? Uh, I, I looked it up. I forgot. I was like, he has like 12 lines of dialogue. 12 or lines. And I, I think it's like 58 words. Um, and I, I believe I've, I've got it in here. I, I did my best. And I think the 58 excludes the Terminator speaking in somebody else where he's mimicking somebody else's voice. So Arnold, right. you know, Arnold words, if you will, I think it's 58 and like 12 lines. It's funny how this movie certainly made him very, very famous, much more famous than he had been. And to think that he just kind of walks around and looks threatening and yep. doesn't say much. Most scenes that he's in, he, he gets out of a car, he walks up to somebody, he shoots them, and he walks back. And it's just that somehow made him into a star. I mean, he's great, he is great at it. And I'm not saying that it's not deserved, it is. It's just funny to think that that's all. Yeah, it, it, takes. it is an interesting um, way to start him. I mean, yeah. he, he certainly had other things that. Studios could take a look at to to show what he had done. Stay hungry, like we've done. At least one Conan. I think there may have been two because I think Conan the Destroyer came out in the same year as the Terminator. Well, not, not only that, it delayed the filming of that. Uh, they were going to film the Terminator in '83. That got delayed for the Conan sequel. Uh, I, I did some research, and then of course this this is a situation I always get into in this podcast where I do the research and then we're talking about it and I'm half remembering details. <laughs> so I don't know. I, I don't remember specifics, but like. Dino De Laurentiis, who is a very uh, eccentric producer in Hollywood, he basically had some kind of a deal where he had first rights where he found out that Arnold was going to make this movie, and he said, no, 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 no. I'm going to make the sequel to Conan, and I have the right to, to basically get precedence. And James Cameron waited for Arnold, which is oh, to his credit. Interesting. Because he could have recast, he could have found somebody else. He said, no, you know what? Arnold makes this movie work. In that interim, while they were waiting, James Cameron wrote First Blood Part Two. Because he wrote that, he didn't direct it, but he, yep. got, he got the job writing that. And then he also wrote, or at least uh, came up with a story, or, or got the deal to write Aliens. Wow. And, and also he was rewriting The Terminator. It was like the story that he tells all the time, of just like he was writing these three scripts all at once, and he was still a nobody, and then suddenly... He's on the, fire. <laughs> right, The Terminator gets made, Rambo 2 comes out, and he gets the deal to direct Aliens, and just like overnight, he goes from this guy basically living... You know, like a, he just a van down by the river. Yeah, he's got no money, and suddenly he's like the biggest director in Hollywood. It's really it's well, it's an impressive story, and well, yeah. James Cameron's had an impressive career. I mean, he's spanned decades, and from all all different types of of action movies, he's he's been a surefire success. And he started out with a great one, and you know his career isn't over. So we'll we'll see once the I guess the other avatars come out. Um, you know what uh, what those look like, but yeah, it's kind of a shame. I don't want to talk about it too much, but just it's 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 sort of a shame that he spent the whole last part of his career just making Avatar. You know, he spent I don't know what it was like six years making the first, first Avatar, one. and now yeah. he's making made he's whatever. It's been another six years since then making Avatar too. Which you know, I liked Avatar okay, but you know, James Cameron is a really creative guy. And it's like, you can, you know, I want to see other things that he can do. I don't want to see Avatar 2. Yeah. I'd say the one thing that I, I guess I'm, I'm optimistic about since it's taken so long to do those and he hasn't been working on other stuff, the rights to the Terminator franchise revert to him, I think in 2019. Yeah. (laughs) I'm hoping he picks, picks that back up 
and 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 runs with it um, because that that would be I, even if it's the last stuff he does is some more Terminators. I think it would be a great bookend to a fantastic career. Absolutely, it'd be interesting to see what he would do with the Terminator now. Yep. Uh, uh, but let's get back to this Terminator. Yeah, and let's uh, let's get into it. It's 2016 that we're doing this podcast, but uh, LA in 2029 looks uh, significantly different. It's it's a mess. I have a note here because there's just it's, it's sort of an iconic image, all the skulls and the robots kind of crushing these skulls. Yep. In this case, it's a big tank instead of a you know robot. But I have a note just saying like, don't they have a Wally robot to clean this place up? <laughs> That's a, they're, they're machines, they're robots. You'd think they'd want order. They, yeah. They've got had plenty of time to clean this place up. Uh, and they should be able to go into the Disney archives, right, out there in L.A. and be able to pull up, oh, look at that Wall-E robot. That's a very good note. <laughs> right, exactly. I guess maybe they want those skulls there as like a warning, like don't clean up any human remains, just let the, them sit there. Uh, so, you know, I, th- this was, you know, pre, pre-short circuit. I just wondered, do you, do you think Johnny Five would have any... any um, any place in in the Skynet run world, or do you think Johnny Five was was too human friendly? To, oh no, uh, he's too human friendly. N- numbers one through four, they, 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 they would, would be fine. But Johnny yeah. Five, no chance. No, no, no way. He's a he's a sympathizer. There's you no don't way. you don't think maybe Johnny Five could have been used to to develop the original Terminators that had to try and blend in since since Johnny Five would have got along so well with humans. No, because the instant that Johnny Five Five learns about the concept of death, he would he would not, he'd be like. Disassemble dead. Oh, that's true. He would not. He would not be happy with the idea of a Terminator. Right. All right. He, he would. He would rebel against the machines. So we've established, though, Johnny's one through four. They, oh, they would be very useful to Skynet. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So yeah. So should we do this? I got the title card. The, the the So the title card comes up. Says the machines rose from the ashes of nuclear fire. Their war to exterminate mankind has raged for decades. So decades meaning does this movie tell the give a date for Judgment Day? I don't think it does. I don't think it does. You you get it in T two as I remember. Yeah, ninety seven or something. Yeah. Uh, but the final battle would not be fought in the future. It would be fought here in our present tonight. So and you got you you've you've normally touched on the music, but uh, on some of these I have. I I definitely had the eighties synthesizer music was was all over the title cards and. And and some of the music from this is is at this point now iconic too. I yeah. mean, in terms of the Terminator music, meaning for when Arnold is on screen, is now iconic. Back then, it wouldn't have been. Well, the the, the operable word there is some of the music. Some, I think this score is really uneven and inconsistent. There's some of it that's great and iconic, and I actually prefer this movie's version of the Terminator theme to Terminator Two because it's rhythmically it's very different. It's it's. You know, nowadays you think about the Terminator theme, and it's the it's what people think is dun 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 dun. dun. Yep, that's not what it is in this movie. Nope, it's, it like, is it's different. It's a little different. And uh, this version of the Terminator theme, I love it. There's music, you know, later in the movie, like the chase sequences are all really well scored. But there's other stuff. It just sounds like uh, I think I have notes somewhere saying it sounds like two cats fighting on a keyboard. It's, <laughs> that's a good one. Let's, what, we should find some some examples along the way because I think there, there's the one in particular I'm thinking of is when Kyle he appears and he's getting chased to the department store, and the score is just like it's just random notes, cats chasing each other. But that I mean, it's a good analogy. I don't want to I don't want to be too down on the score because yeah, you're right. Some of the music in this movie is iconic and fantastic. And you know, it's I like synthesized scores. I think this is, you know, in in spots it's a great score, but in spots it's just like oof. Again, you know, but based on kind of what they had to work with, it's it's still impressive um, in terms of budget. Um, you know, for for this movie, yeah. And Brad Fidel is the guy who wrote the score, and he did Terminator Two also. And I think Terminator Two is a much 
more consistent. And I think it's it's the good version. It's, it's one thing I think Terminator Two does better and is, has, has better music, or at least more consistent. So we get to uh, L.A. in 1984, one fifty-two a.m. I have <laughs> very specific time, but it doesn't give a date. We'll, we'll no. learn the date later. Yes, and so there's a garbage truck, and Arnold. I won't say Arnold's career is born because it certainly was, uh, as we've established, uh, born before this. But the uh, the beginning of the rocket ride to the stratosphere begins with a naked Arnold. Yeah, I, I I wonder if is, are the are the machines just better at calculating time travel? Or he gets to appear in the ground like in a cool pose, and Reese in a minute is just gonna fall out of the sky. <laughs> That's what I have too. Is I, I, my my note was um, Reese arrives not very impressive. That's what right. I had because it just is. You're right. I mean, even, even I, I certainly wasn't looking for this, but what I noticed this time when I was watching, I'm like, wow, you can actually see Arnold's junk when, yeah, I when he's walking. And I, I again, I wasn't too. trying to get to those level of details, and I didn't even have HD because it's an old you know DVD that I had. It wasn't an HD yeah. or a Blu-ray, but I'm like, one, Reese really, really looks sad the way he kind of just falls, but the Terminator comes, just is totally jacked. Like, right? There's no way that guy's gonna get. You know, defeated. The Terminator basically appears in like the Atlas pose, yes. like the classic bodybuilder like well, pose. The bodybuilder like maybe in Stay Hungry when they're up on on the on the rotating stage that we were talking about kind of before, right? And then yeah, he he meanders over and um, we we get Bill Paxton, which you know I knew it's there, but I still get excited every time I see the the foundings of true lies of Bill Paxton, Arnold Schwarzenegger, and James Cameron back yeah. in 1983, 1984. The thing that cracks me up about these punks is, yeah, uh, one of the guys is looking through the telescope and Bill Paxton's like, my turn. And you think like, you would expect them to be spying on like people in the city. No, they're yeah. looking up. Right. They're using the telescope properly. They're like, they're, like excited to they're be looking excited at the, yeah. to look into the stratosphere. He really wants to go like, look at the stars. He's my turn. It's very strange punks. They're very uh, astro- astronomically uh, focused. Uh, yes, and so we get the, the first first dialogue from the Terminator, and I've got three lines of dialogue. Um, I don't know if you've taken a note, note on them. I was looking for puns. But I, wasn't, I was not actually tracking like the, his line by line. So yeah, so uh, you get uh, nice night for a walk. <laughs> yep. You, uh, nothing clean, right? Yep. And uh, your clothes, give them to me now. And so what... I, I took from this because what I, I really love later on when you get one of one of my favorite the it, the Terminator going through the responses when he's in the uh, the I guess hotel room yeah looking through the it's book like a flop house or something yeah flop house I like that it's got the responses and I just would love to know if the if Skynet programmed those responses or if they're you know like learned responses and that it it's the Terminator somehow determines which are appropriate. But, you know, these clearly are just mimicked and, and come right back. So I don't know if he came pre-programmed yeah. or if he, over time, you know, learns from the limited interaction that the Terminator has in 1984. Yeah, I, I think it's it, it's funny that two out of the three things he says is just him parroting back. Like, I wonder if it's almost like he's programmed to, he searches for a response, and if he can't find an appropriate response, it's just like, just repeat back. That's maybe yeah. the best way to blend in. Nice nights for a walk. Yeah, and, and you know, let, I, I guess the other thing that I'd like to note is that when you really think about it, it it's kind of a, a leap to have Arnold Schwarzenegger with a, a very, very heavy accent because it would be really hard for that to for that Terminator to blend in. But at the same time, there is whether it's accidental genius. In some ways, you know the the Skynet. It, I can see where having the Terminator have an accent that it's trying to learn. Right. There, there's a certain there, there's a certain 
accuracy to that of ha- of of the Terminator having an accent and not blending in. Oh yeah, I I, I buy it one hundred percent because if you think about like computing and robotics and where we are even in twenty fifteen, the hardest thing to crack in computing, to my understanding, I'm not a computer scientist, but the hardest thing to do is to m- mimic human speech and you know and language. It's the whole the, what's the test uh, like. They do, they do where they try to test if people can tell if they're talking to a robot or not. I oh. forget what it's called. So it makes sense that you know building a walking, talking, killing robot, that's the easy part. But getting right. it to interact with human beings, that's the hard part. So yeah, the accent, the kind of stilted, just repeating things back. Like, yeah, probably the machines just hadn't quite figured it out yet. Yeah, and that's what you get to a little bit in T2, and that probably is why in terms of a movie, not just an action movie, I think it's a better movie. But that the subplot, as much as I don't you know necessarily love... Edward Furlong as John Connor, you know, the young John Connor, that side story though, of the, you know, the, the Terminator, the T-800 trying to learn yeah. to, to be more human. That, that actually is interesting. And that would be the hardest part. And it's expanded more in the sequel and justifies the sequel even more because the, you know, the sequel in many ways, it was, we can really advance this because the graphics and the, the CGI is so much better. But that helped to kind of justify to have it be not just a complete remake of the original movie. Yeah, it's funny. I saw an interview uh, doing the research for this with James Cameron where he said a lot of that stuff in Terminator 2 was he had originally conceived of it to happen in Terminator 1 and just the technology wasn't there. there to, to but the idea it. of having two Terminators and having one be a, basically, basically Reese was originally a, a Terminator that was programmed. It's, just, you know, it's basically the plot of T2. And also going after Cyberdyne and trying to stop the future. That was all in the original movie, and then he realized there's no way that could get made. Yeah, I mean, he if the, scaled it way back. But yeah, if the T, I mean, if the, his idea was for the T1000 to exist in 1984, there's no way you could have made the T1000 exist in 1984. Yeah, but it's interesting. Up up until now, Avatar 2 is coming soon. But up until now, Terminator 2, I think, is the only sequel to one of his own movies. I mean, obviously, he made Aliens, but uh, it's the only time he ever made a sequel to one of his own movies. But it's not really a sequel. It's just. Hey, here's the version of the Terminator I originally wanted to make. I wanted to make, right. Yeah. Uh, before we move on, I, I do like the, the line, wash day tomorrow, nothing clean. That line pops into my head so frequently, in just in everyday situations. Like, you know how like, nowadays it's like it's weirdly socially acceptable for people to like go to the supermarket in pajamas or whatever? Yes, it is. <laughs> in many, many other places, but yes. Right, exactly. But every time I see someone who's just like not dressed properly, it's, the line always pops, laundry day, huh? nothing clean. <laughs> Uh, and so, so we, we get our, our first death. And, yeah, and he kills, uh, not Bill Paxton. He knocks out Bill Paxton, but he kills the other guy. The other guy, I don't, he, he's not a huge actor, but I recognize him. He plays Shao Kahn in the second Mortal Kombat movie. I did not, that's a good catch. I did not recognize that one. He's, he's a guy I notice here and there, but uh, I don't have his he, he name. Didn't, he didn't make it out of this one. The, the Arnold took care of him pretty graphically. Yeah, he, and the third guy gives up his clothes. Yes. As requested. And then, yeah, this is where Reese shows up and takes a, the homeless guy's pants. Yeah, I just said, I have, I've watched it a couple times. I have no clue what that, that homeless guy says. I think he says, that guy took my pants. Well, bef- yes, no, before that. Though, he has a line of dialogue to Reese before that. Oh, yeah, what does he say? He's just like, did you see a big bright light or something like that? I, maybe. I think I, he, said something, he said something about, did you see a big bright light? Or did I could not light? make it out, so I... Okay, well, here, here's, this is the scene where... Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to... Yeah, let's play this scene because listen to this music. This is Reese fleeing from the police on foot. Right. But, you know, I'll, I'll find I'll play examples of. See what I mean? You're right. 
Yeah, there is some weird stuff in it. So, so anyway, while we're I talking about this, I have not noticed that in, in my my first time through. It's not it's not a deal breaker, and it's not that. Yeah, it doesn't completely ruin the scene, but it, it does not enhance it. It works to a certain degree because he's so disoriented, and it's just this weird like atonal music. But I, I, you know, again, I just think the score is very inconsistent. So yeah, Reese Reese now has pants, makes his way to the sporting goods store, and uh, gets. Get some more supplies he needs. Yes, including some Nikes, which are very prominent in, on the screen. Yes. I, I wonder if that was a deal. Even this tiny, like, very low-budget movie. You it's think? It's so prominent. It like, is pretty prominent. It's either that or it was a joke. I don't know if it's supposed to be funny. But just the way his foot steps down. No, like, it, it, it seemed like a commercial. And he, like, straps it. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's a really, uh, it's, it's really like a money shot for Nike. <laughs> So, yeah, so he winds up picking up uh, a handgun and a shotgun, I believe, in, um, or maybe it's just, no, it's just a shotgun. He doesn't. Yeah, you, got, you have the shotgun out of the, out of the open door of the police car. Which, yes, that's right. These cops are, uh, maybe they should be a little more responsible with the. You, you'd like to think so if you have loaded firearms in your, in your cruiser. It's really shocking how frequently cops in this movie lose their firearms. Just, they're not, they're not taking care of their guns at all. So, yeah, and then Kyle goes right to a phone book. He yes. finds a payphone, and he he finds Sarah Connor's name. And I, this is a moment where I just want to call out James Cameron as a filmmaker. Just this, like, just a simple thing like this, just shows why he's such a great filmmaker. He runs his finger down the phone book, finds Sarah Connor, tears it out, cut to Sarah Connor, and the whole the you know the, the whole introduction to Sarah Connor. You, no one ever says her name out loud, uh, you know. But that's. You instantly know, oh, this must be Sarah Connor. Yep. Like just the way he introduces her, it's it's just that's great filmmaking. It's just you know, yeah. And it, show it, the name, cut to her. You know exactly who she is. And it uh, plays to what we open with as highly efficient. You know, you don't need exposition. You don't. It, it's efficient. It gets you to exactly where you need to go. And yeah. some of it may have been necessity. You know, we're giving him a lot of credit, and I think his filmography f- after this warrants that credit. But at the same time, a first-time director with a really low budget may have just have been, you know, happenstance. Oh, but and, I don't, I don't know if this is really a budget thing because I feel like a bad director, fa- bad filmmaker would have had her show up at work and everyone would be like, "Oh, hi, Sarah Connor. How are you, Sarah Connor?" <laughs> you know what I mean? To dr- drive it home, like he trusts the audience. Like, you know, I mean, he's, and it, he confirms it. It's one hundred percent non nonverbal. It's all, it's all visual. Where you see her name, cuts to her, she goes to work, and then she grabs her her punch card. Yep. And, and her name's on the punch card. It's like, okay, that confirms what we suspected already. It's like, yes. that's, that's just really good filmmaking. Yep, I, uh, I, I can't disagree. And um, so Sarah had a scooter. She certainly does not seem like the mother of uh, the leader of the rebellion, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, the, Terminator, the, 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 the Sarah we see in Terminator 2, the idea that the first time you see her, she's driving this moped, just, just driving down the street. Yeah, you know what? In thinking about that, since you saw him out of order... Um, it's shocking. Yeah, that had to, had to be, you know, kind of really shocking. Yeah, it is. Of, you know, the, the Sarah Connor who's busting out of, um, uh, not prison, but uh, the, the institute, the mental institution that she's in in T2, and, you know, threatening people with liquid drain cleaner and a plunger <laughs> right. to her bombing around on a little scooter. I mean, it's shocking either way. If you see it in the cr- correct order, it would be shocking, I imagine, to see her in Terminator 2 in basically the loony bin. Right. Uh, but right, as someone who saw Terminator 2 first, that's the Terminator 2 version of Sarah is how I picture this character. And right, to see her just kind of going to work and just being this kind of meek character at the beginning. I mean, we see her go through this transformation, but uh, it's really jarring. It's just, yeah, it's strange. But uh, yeah, she's, anyway, she goes to work at, at Big Jeff's. 
Yes, which is a very small detail, but just the I, just something about Big Jeff's. Like, I, I just I can't help but imagine like a local like you know this this restaurant is probably just some local place where I imagine the guy like has some local commercial. Yeah. I'm Big Jeff's. Come out to Big Jeff's. You know, I, I yes, just, Big Jeff's is a very evocative uh, name for a restaurant. So then, uh, then you move on, Arnold. Oh, sorry. Before we move on, I did some research into this restaurant actually. So the, the filming location or where, Big Jeff's? Where they filmed it? No, not Big Jeff. I did a lot of speculation about Big yeah. Jeff's, but uh, this was filmed at a restaurant called Caro's, which is a California chain. And I looked them up on Yelp, and apparently the the service at this place is pretty consistent with what we see in the movie. <laughs> that is fantastic. Across the board negative, just. Everyone hates this place. And no. it, but it, it's pretty impressive, though, when you really think about it, the consistency right. and the fact that it's still around. It's still around, yeah. That's the thing. Well, apparently this is a chain, Caro's. It's like a California chain, and I guess like 80% of Caro's got shut down in the last two or three years. I, oh. I didn't do too much research. So it's just but, barely hanging on to make it in time for this podcast. Yeah, but this particular location is still there. It's still open. So, wow. Uh, well, maybe, well, is it in, I'm assuming, Southern California? Uh, yeah, it's in L.A. or something, yeah, somewhere maybe if, around may, L.A. Maybe if I'm out there, now that I know uh, that it still exists, I may have to, to try and get there and see well, if somebody I, can screw up my order. Maybe you should go there, but then not eat there. Because yeah, it sounds that, like maybe it's not the place you want to go to eat. So after the Terminator gets uh, gets some wheels, uh, we get go back to the restaurant, Big Jeff's. What I absolutely love, and you covered it in the service, but there's a line, and, and it's from an actor. If they're credited, you know, they're probably credited. doesn't matter. The line is uh, after the kid puts the ice cream scoop in uh, in Sarah's apron. Yeah. Nice going, kid. I think I'm going to give you the tip. Is so fantastic. And you know, if I wasn't doing this podcast, I I wouldn't have ever remembered that. I just I could not stop laughing at that yeah. line. It feels like a thing they added at the last minute because it's, it's totally off screen, like eighty yard. Yep. Like so, it's probably even James Cameron doing the voice of just like we did, let me throw a joke in here. I got an idea. I'll tell you this, the joke worked because it made me laugh. No, it's pretty funny. Yeah, and then, and then uh, the Terminator goes shopping. This is Yes, and he like, doesn't have a lot of dialogue, but he, he certainly knows his weapons. Yeah. Um, I've got a 12-gauge autoloader, uh, a 45 long sign with laser sighting, uh, a phase plasma rifle in 40-watt range, which uh, that's off the menu. Just what you see here, pal. Just what you see here. Uh, a Uzi 9mm. Uh... And uh, oh, and then in response to um, what he'll take, I think I have all. And uh, when the attendant, or not the attendant, when the proprietor says you can't do that, he just says wrong. wrong yeah. Yes, and, that, and then uh, the body count gets added to by my count. I love how sassy he is. There, he's a robot. He doesn't have to give it. Like, a, he doesn't have to like give him a snappy gun back, but he does it anyway. Yes. Uh, so yeah, Dick Miller is the guy behind the counter, and he's he's a guy I'm not that familiar. He's from he's. He, he worked a lot with Joe Dante. He was in Gremlins and Gremlins oh, okay. too. Uh, I definitely recognize him from other stuff. Uh, but he's one of these guys who was in a he's he, he's been in like three hundred movies, or just something constantly crazy. working. There's, they just put out a documentary about him, and I I, I kind of want to see it. Where like he's this guy who goes way back to like the fifties, and wow, he's like very much a beloved character actor. So. But uh, he doesn't have a lot to do in this movie. But uh, it's no, well, worthy that he's there. So his uh, his character is important in terms of uh, getting the the Terminator well armed. Yeah, so he's he's the second body count there. Meanwhile, Reese is just sitting around, not doing much. Not doing much, but uh, he did make his shotgun uh, even more illegal uh, by making a sawed off. Yeah, it's it's weird because I never noticed this until this viewing. But you know, the Terminator's getting a lot done. He he. 
He goes, he gets a car, he gets weapons, he finds, he gets a list of Sarah Connor addresses, he kills at least two of these Sarah Connors in a minute. Meanwhile, this first day, Kyle, he accomplishes nothing. The next time we see him, he, yeah, he saws off the shotgun, the next time we see him, it's night. A whole day has passed. And he's just in a car sleeping and, and having terrible dreams. It's like, what was he doing this whole day? It didn't take him a whole day to saw off that shotgun. He must have been doing something. Uh, that, that's a good question. He certainly is not nearly as efficient. So it's like where the, the human element makes up is that he's able to know exactly the correct middle initial for the correct Sarah Connor. Uh, so that's where the machines fail. And I guess but he doesn't so, go. He doesn't go to her house or anything that whole first day. It's like, what was he doing? No, I, what, so I think what my analogy is: this is the tortoise and the hare, right? He he just feels like, oh, don't worry about it. I got this thing covered. It's you know the tortoise. I can just I can lay down and take a nap for a little while. I don't have to worry. The the machine he's going to look through there. It's looking through the phone book. There's got to be like seven Sarah Connors. I'm fine. I got plenty of time. No, but Reese goes and gets the phone book first. It's funny because the Terminator he steals a car and then he gets the weapons and then he goes to the phone book. Reese goes right to the phone book as soon as he arrives. He, he knows all three addresses. He doesn't go to any, any of them. He, he doesn't, I mean, eventually he does, but uh, like this whole first day, I just was like, what is he doing? I just imagine like he's from the future and he's, he's like, you know, like the, the small town kid in the so, big no, city. He's, he's, just like, like, uh, he's like Arnold and twins, right? He's going around, he's getting the hot dog, right. he's getting the pizza. That's, I mean, I think that's, it's, like, it's like Kyle Reese's day off where he's just, <laughs> he, he must have just been going around being like, wow, you know, 1984. He's catching a ball game. He's stealing huge wads of cash from someplace we don't see. Like, that's, probably, that's probably what he was doing that day. He robbed a bank off screen, you know? It's just weird that, you know, you, you don't think about it until you really, like, break it down. Just He's been very inefficient. So what, yeah. you've, what you've just... You can either you know write fan fiction or a whole new movie. We can get, as you said, it's like a comedy of Kyle Reese's day off. We just get all the stuff that Kyle is when he's goofing off for the first day that he's in, uh, he's in uh, 1984. No, you know what it's actually like? Uh, have you seen uh, Escape from Planet of the Apes? Probably not. I'm a big Planet of the Apes fan. Uh, I have not. You've told me to. It's on the I, list. I have not seen it yet. It's one of my favorites, and it's the one where the apes go back in time to the 70s, and there's a whole sequence yeah. where they're like well, you, shopping and just trying on hats and just weird stuff you, like that. You've told me for exactly those reasons. You <laughs> it's, know, why I need to see it. It's crazy and hilarious. So that's probably what Reese is doing. He's a, he's a crazy guy from the future. He's like, hey, I can, I can experience life in 1984. So, yeah, so he eventually, as you said, steals a car, and uh, you get a, another flashback to the future as he's having a, a terrible dream. Yeah, and then uh, Terminator kills. Before that happens, Terminator kills the wrong Sarah, which has, she has the worst reaction time in the world, but whatever. She's, you know, a housewife or something. Yes. Uh, yeah, so this, this dream... There, we see some people dying here. Does this count? Is this a dream or is this a memory? Uh, I mean, for for our purposes for this, since it's in the movie, I think it counts. Okay, I was counting but them. I I don't. I think it's a memory. Yeah, I think so too. It seems like it. I mean, either way, I think for our purposes it counts. But I do think it's a memory. I don't think it's something like when Sarah goes to sleep and she has a dream of, you know, the the future. Right. That I think is truly a dream, but uh, I, I think Reese's is a you know PTSD or you know a, a memory. Yeah, it pro- probably it's not one hundred percent clear, but at least it's based on some real trauma that he's been through. Correct. It cracks me up because uh, he's it's just a sequence of a bunch of soldiers fighting the machines, and he's one of them. Uh, but then a car pulls up and he kicks the guy out of the front seat. <laughs> I like that. He's just like, "I'm Kyle Reese. I'm driving this car. <laughs> you get in the back and shoot the gun." I'm going to have a day off eventually. I'm the primary in this car. <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, also worth pointing out, the, the effects in this sequence in particular, I mean, I think in the beginning also, they really hold up. Yep. It's, considering the time it was made and also the budget. Absolutely. Like, these effects look great. Like, it's all like rear projection, but like when, the, even when they're, 
human beings in the shot, and then there's just rear projection behind them of the miniatures. It, it all looks seamless, and it all looks like they're in the same space, and that's really hard to get right, especially on a shoestring. And it's, I just want to praise this, this. I mean, whatever. <laughs> this movie's gotten a lot of praise from people other than us, but still, it's worth saying. Like, no, it's, it's the worth noting. Great. And I, and I, that's the thing is, I really appreciate movies, especially today when everything is done with computers. But going back and watching, you know, great effects that still hold up that you're still impressed by. And, and look, I'm still when we get to T two, I'm still impressed by the CGI in T two and think it holds up well. Yeah. But when I think back to like 2001: A Space Odyssey, when when people want to talk about effects that are impressive. It's movies like this, The Terminator, movies like 2001 A Space Odyssey. When you know that those things actually had to be physically made and, and physically done. And, and to me, the fact that I can watch it in 2016, either one of those two movies and still be impressed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Even just beyond putting myself in the, the mindset, because like my, my, my kids aren't old enough, but my nieces and nephews that are, I recommend, they, well, they'll ask me for movies that I recommend. And stuff that they won't have seen because they're trying to broaden their horizons, which is great. And I'll say, I need, you know, I'm like, think of it this way. Remember, this movie was made in 2001 in 1968. They had to actually do all of that. They can't cheat with, and I, I shouldn't say computers are cheating, but they didn't have that tool. Right. So putting yourself in that mindset is one thing, but I'm impressed, even if I'm not putting myself in that mindset, I just, I still think it's impressive. Oh yeah, and, and you know, it would be easier to do this sort of effect today doesn't mean it's easy and it but but it also means you know you still see movies screwed up which is just that's just means it's worth more worthwhile to praise this you know what i mean or it's more important to praise it because they i mean there are there are effects later in the movie that don't hold up as well but this stuff is great yep so yeah he wakes up and uh continues to do nothing and he just drives <laughs> off the day off continues yeah uh meanwhile uh sarah, sarah and ginger are getting ready yep and there are prominent uh, Tampax boxes just to make sure you know that this is a lady's apartment. Yes. It's like it's way too prominent, but whatever. Uh, and then Bunky calls. Bunky with his uh, mistaken identity issues. M- mistaken identity issues and the uh, – this is the, the point, you know, the part in the movie where it's, uh, you know, the, the, the comic relief. And, and Bunky should have maybe watched you – know, it's too bad Last Action Hero wasn't around for him to know that he was the comic relief and he really shouldn't take on the Terminator <laughs> later on. Because he just doesn't have a chance. Well, he's the comic relief, but and also he and uh, Ginger have sex later, which in a slasher that, movie. In the slasher movie, you're right. So he, there's two genres he he should know that he's he's in danger of. Yeah, that's the that's the part that really tells you this is kind of a slasher movie. That they have sex and they're immediately killed as punishment for having sex. That's yes. that's how slasher movies work. So yeah, so they're uh, they're getting ready to to head out, and um, in the interim, then I think we get the introduction of Paul Winfield after yep. that scene, and uh, Lieutenant, as you said, he gets the special credit of Lieutenant Drexler, uh, Traxler, Traxler. I'm sorry, team. yeah, but I'm uh, thinking Clyde the Glide Drexler. <laughs> right now, that would be great if it was Clyde Drexler as yeah. the as the detective. <laughs> that actually would be great. Uh, yeah, Clyde Drexler and Terry Porter as these two cops. Yes. That's what it should have been. As, as the partners, yes. <laughs> but They uh, didn't get a championship, but they were able to take on the Terminator. That's right. Uh, well, the Terminator is the Michael Jordan in this scenario. Basically. <laughs> he comes in and dunks on him. That's right. <laughs> but uh, Yeah, so it's, it actually is Paul Winfield and Lance Hendrickson. Hendrickson. I keep saying Hendrickson. I keep it's, it feels like his name should be Hendrickson, but it's yes. not. It's Hendrickson. Nope. I made that mistake at the beginning, and as, as soon as I heard myself say it, it's like, well, it's too late to correct myself. Just keep going with it. Yeah. But uh, Lance Hendrickson and uh, Paul Winfield. Yeah, Paul Winfield was he that? I don't. Maybe he was more famous at the time or more well known. I only really know him 
from this and Wrath of Khan. So Paul Winfield, it's funny what what I immediately think. I, there's two things that come to mind for me with Paul Winfield. It's probably not the stuff he's most famous for, uh, but it's the TV show that my mom watched. So that means I watched it when I was younger. Two two seven. He was. Uh, oh, was a, he on that? Yeah, he was a recurring role on that. But actually, what I will always, for me, meaning what not mom's TV, but Mike's TV, he will forever be uh, Dredderick Tatum's manager, Lucius Sweet from The Simpsons. Oh my God, he is. Yes, and so f- forever. I mean, Paul Winfield. You know, if you look at his filmography, he had, he's, he's had a, a great career. But Lucius Sweet and uh, fusti- fustigation aside, Mo is one of my all-time favorite <laughs> Simpsons lines. And so, uh, two things I will associate with Paul Winfield: the Terminator and Lucius Sweet. You've just blown my mind. How have I gone all this time? How have I lived? You know, all these years not knowing that Paul Winfield played Lucius Sweet. Yes. It 100% is. Fustigation aside, no. I, I don't think I can go on with this podcast. I need like a minute to, <laughs> to, to absorb this information. Wow. Uh, that's, you're right. That's a great character. It's one of the best. It's too bad he didn't appear more often on the Yeah, I think he so only great. had two episodes, unfortunately, that uh, he appears in. But the, the Dredderick Tatum, Homer They Fall, which is one of my favorite episodes where Homer's the boxer who... Uh, it's a great episode. Yes, that uh, is taking on the, the placeholder for Mike Tyson named Dredderick Tatum. But he's also the, the other captain in Wrath of Khan that gets the bug in his ear. Him and Chekhov get the bugs in their ears. Yes. Chekhov makes it out okay, but Paul Winfield does not. Uh, yeah, that that because that scene really made an impact on me as a kid. Yeah, Those I can bugs see going into yes, their ears. That's pretty frightening. It was real t- I was terrified of that when I was a kid. So yeah, Paul Winfield, I definitely remember from that. And then Lance, I'm, I'm sure, you know, I, there's plenty of things, but he, he certainly had a, a good run with James Cameron because what, what that's where I remember him from. Yeah, he was originally, like, the stories, I, I got, like, various stories about this doing research, but some say that he was originally, James Cameron originally wanted him to play the Terminator, but then there are other people that say, no, that was just, you know, he was basically just using Lance Henriksen as his, like, like they would go into meetings and basically it was like, here, land, just because they were friends. Right, read the lines. Or- yeah, exactly. Like, I'm not sure if that, it's not clear whether or not James Cameron actually wanted him to play the Terminator or if he was just kind of using them to, to help with the pitch. But there's certainly, there, there is concept art of Lance Henriksen. Oh, as a as, With half his face. As, yeah, so it's, because uh, the, the original idea, I think, was that the Terminator was going to like be more like anonymous and blend in, like trying to pass as a normal human being as opposed to Arnold, which... Does not, you know, he, it's he, the polar out. That's what's yeah. interesting is I think the script changes for, for that kind of movie um, in, in probably a lot of ways. And I, and maybe it's because we, we like Arnold, but I, I like the fact that they ultimately went, no, we want a killing machine and we want it to look as imposing as possible. Oh, yeah. And then, and again, credit to James Cameron for realizing that's the way to go. As soon as he met with Arnold and said, oh, he should be the Terminator. You know, I mean, it's, it's, that's, that's the mark of a good writer and a good, like just anybody creative, the willingness to be flexible with their idea and say, Oh, you know what? This is better. Yeah. This is better. I'm not married to my original idea. Cause I, you know, just being willing to, to acknowledge that, uh, I mean, that's what makes a, you know, a great filmmaker, great, whatever. Uh, so yeah. So anyway, these guys are investigating this pattern killer. Someone else is another Sarah Connor has died off screen. Yep. So, so she's I, number six. I was going to say I know we've established I think on other ones that ones that are acknowledged off screen, particularly this one. That, that clearly the Terminator was <laughs> right. Confirmed deaths. That is definitely a confirmed death. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and then uh, back at Sarah's apartment, she gets stood up by uh, Stan Morsky, the Porsche owner. 
Yes, and I, the thing I had is, and, and this isn't a knock on the movie, but just watching this and them getting ready, 80s fashion is just so bad. Yeah, it's it is. so bad. We get a big eyeful of that later at the club. Yes. <laughs> I've got a couple of uh, you extras. Tech Noir. I absolutely love the name of this club. I don't know why I love Tech Noir. Oh, and you know what? A lot of people love the name of Tech Noir because, in, in particular, in the last two or three years, uh, there are a lot of like electronic musicians uh, synthwave is kind of like there's a kind of like a it's kind of a subgenre of electronic music, which I listen to a little bit. There are like three or four electronic songs in the last three years that are called tech noir. Really, like so many all like all of a sudden in the last three or four years, this whole movement of this this like synthwave like genre that kind of I mean whatever it's just electronic music. I, I don't really know what makes something synthwave and what doesn't. Sure, you know I don't know, but. That's not that we're not that podcast. No, absolutely not. No, but I do listen to some of it, and so many. There, all of a sudden, just there are like th- I'm serious. Since last, since like 2012, there are like three songs, electronic songs. They're called wow. Tech Noir. So Terminator and Tech Noir in particular, just ahead of its time. Yeah, it's 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 uh, more, well, you know, I mean, the 80s in general kind of is having a resurgence. So I yeah. think it's part of all that. But th- that said, to to those out there that choose to uh, relive the 80s fashion today. There's no excuse. It's just terrible. Well, I think that's the one thing that hasn't come back. The 80s is back, but the fashion did not come back. <laughs> and for good reason. And with, with good cause. <laughs> that's right. To steal from The Simpsons as well. Yes. Uh, so once we uh, get this, this the, her, Sarah stood up, she's going to go out uh, on her own. And what I have, this is where I really noticed it, but the, the music for her getting back on the scooter and the way she looks around, it's actually Reese, it's not the Terminator, really feels like Friday the 13th, or Halloween. I mean, that yeah. that entire scene feels like a slasher movie. Well, there's the there's the music, and it's really effectively done. Where it's just it's just like a heartbeat. It's just like, yep, you know that stuff. Yeah, that's really like it's really subtle in a way that some of the score we play, like, like the part we played earlier is not so subtle. But yeah, I, I I shouldn't be too down on the score because that's that's a great piece of music. Yeah. And it really sets the mood. Absolutely. Yeah. So she goes out. She says she's going out to the movies, but then the next time you see her, she's at like a bar slash pizza joint. Yes. So. Did she go to the movies, or is she like? I, is this her like rebound? Like she's gonna go <laughs> have a one night stand? Like I took wh- it I, because you know you've got Ginger and, uh, and her boyfriend. It seems like a, a decent amount of time has elapsed. Yeah, I, I think she could have went to the movies. Well, actually, we don't know because we don't ever see Ginger and her boyfriend leave. I wonder if it's like she's going to the movies. Let's take advantage. Yeah, exactly. Of- we don't need an excuse to go out. We can get down to business. <laughs> We've got an empty apartment for at least two hours. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, let's it just could get be. It out so it could go either way. She may have legitimately gone to the movies and then you know wanted to get real food, or maybe she just you know decided to go to the bar. Oh, and you know what? I do have a note saying because when the police, the the Lance Henriksen and Paul Winfield try to call, and Sarah's out, and the two of them are having sex, and she's got the headphones on, so she, she can't hear the phone, and the clock on their wall says nine forty. Okay, it seems pretty early. So yeah, I don't, I don't right. think they went out. If it's nine forty, then you're you're right. They they didn't go out. Yeah. So we get the. The message on the answering machine, which it's just the dumb thing that people used to do, just like "hello, ha ha ha," you're talking to a machine, right? But in this movie, I kind of enjoy, it. like you know, yeah. obviously thematically, you know, relevant that you're talking to a machine. Like that's yes. a phrase that has resonance in this movie, but it still makes me like, I hate Ginger. I hated people who did that. <laughs> I mean, I, it's, it's, thank God it's something you can't do in voicemail because, but the days of answering machines 
everybody who did that and thought they were funny. It's just like, no, you're not funny. That's just annoying. Don't do that. Yeah, I, I, them, thematically, you're right. I think it also fits with the character, meaning right, yeah. she, she would have thought it was great. But he, he, what it reminded me of, though, is that there was one great answering machine message that I remember from a show that you and I both love of George Costanza's <laughs> Believe It or Not. <laughs> Well, sure. George isn't at home. Oh, that's so, really... So there are answering machine messages that can be well done. Well, I'm not, I'm not saying that I disliked all like novelty right. answering machine messages. Yes. It's just the people who try to trick you into thinking they've picked up the phone. Like, no, go to hell. I hate those people. It's true, but uh, so uh, one, one sidebar uh, in terms of voicemail, it can be done, at least in the TV world, because the uh, TV show Archer, Sterling Archer is famous for having, again, because it's a TV show, it can work. But long voicemail messages, okay. where, I mean, very long voicemail messages that he keeps it up for 40 or 50 seconds and that it actually is his voicemail. So while it's not plausible in the real world, there are uh, those, those that make it into pop culture, even in the voicemail, of having long, drawn-out messages. Yeah, long's fine. Just don't try to trick us. Uh, so anyway, yeah, Sarah's at this pizza place slash bar or whatever, and she sees the news report. Oh, and this is just, did they get killed first? I lost my no, no. So yeah, she she sees the, the the news report and she goes to the phone and tries to call right, and no one's picking up. Yeah, oh, no, it's all happened simultaneously, I guess, because she calls and leaves the message, and that's how. Yeah, because the um, right right before then is when uh, Paul Winfield's character needs a cigarette, and then he uh, realizes he has a cigarette in his mouth. Oh, right. But that's when he decides, you know what? I'm going to try and get get on the TV. Ginger, right. Ginger then decides she needs music, so she starts playing the music, and all of the, the dominoes start to fall of why nobody can, or why Sarah can't really reach anybody. That's right. And also, she uh, has to look up. It's interesting, in 1984, she had to look up the police's phone number in the phone yeah. book. Yeah. It's pre 911. Yep. Which is uh, crazy to th- think. It's crazy to think. It, I mean, today we have the, you know, the issue of, oh, do I keep a landline so that I know 911 will mer- work yeah. in, uh, you know, in a catastrophe? But the fact, man, nine one one didn't always exist. Yeah. Do, do you remember when nine one one rolled out? Because weirdly, I do. Oh. I remember I was probably around this time. I was maybe five or six. I remember like seeing a th- like, my parents showing me a thing that came in the mail saying, "In case of emergency, this is the new like th- we got this- a thing in the mail saying nine one one is now available in your area." I remember oh, them like sitting me down and just making like make you sure you understand this. this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I have a very vivid memory of that. Uh, but no, she's got to look up the police number in the, the phone book. Another question about the 80s, whether or not you remember. There are three, or maybe four, phone books. Reese goes and finds a phone book on a public telephone. The Terminator finds one. Sarah finds one here. I mean, the telephone, public telephones are a thing of the past, but in my memory, we're old enough to remember public telephones. Was there ever a, a, an intact... <laughs> No. <laughs> uh, no. that the intact is key. The intact I do, phone book. People would just rip the pages. It would just be like every every time it would just be trashed. Like, so it would be like Marty McFly when he goes back and he gets into the phone book in 1955. Right? What's the first thing he does? He tears a page out of the phone book to go find. Well, yeah, everyone needs to tear one or two pages out. But like, I just remember in like the, the 90s when we would have been using payphones. Every someone's cut that cord the or cord, the, the cord is just hanging there, frayed. Right, or just like torn every page out just to be a jerk. Like right. I don't remember ever seeing an intact See, phone book. The, what there are three in this. No, movie. what they're saying is that L.A. in the 80s it was just was a a, a gent <laughs> kinder a utopia. And, yeah, it was a utopia, kinder and gentler place where you could trust that the phone book wouldn't be destroyed. Yeah, well, <laughs> while she's calling, she's trying to make the call. Did you notice the, the, the creep hanging out by the phone? <laughs> yes. That guy, like, I don't know, again, just, just scrutinizing this movie, 
that guy, she, the whole scene, he's just standing there, like checking her out. I'm just like, what a creep. He just, this, this, this is this guy's move, I guess, is just hang out by the phone and wait for the girls to make phone calls. Yeah, so what I, I kind of wonder is, like, well, if she wasn't calling because she was afraid that Reese, who she didn't know was following her, or the Terminator, she might have just been calling for that creep that was. Yeah, if she's afraid for her life, she should immediately be getting away from that guy. Like, she doesn't even seem to notice him. Oh, look, and the phone doesn't work. That's right, because, like, I have a, I have a note here saying, this, did this guy make this phone not work? So you can be like, I've got a cell phone. You can use my phone. Like, this is probably this guy's move. Hang out by the phone. Well, I thought that it worked, but all the police lines were busy. No, that's because I have a note. This phone doesn't work. That's why she has oh, to she go to Oh, she goes into Tech, Tech, Tech Noir. And that's the phone where she's got to call and wait. It's uh, an expensive call, too, because she's got to pay the cover charge to get into Tech Noir. I think it was five bucks. Uh yeah I, I, I probably have it oh it's four fifty four fifty okay <laughs> right that is an expensive call for sure yes she walks down to Technoir and uh, yeah this is where we get our overdose of eighties fashion it's a lot not only eighties fashion but that like that eighties dancing you know like the the oh yeah the wham whatever absolutely <laughs> that, that all dance. of it I mean so there are a lot of things that hold up well and aren't dated this obviously is but you know what it's supposed to be nineteen eighty four it's not like it was projecting into the future. Of what fashion, et cetera, the Running Man, right? It's not. It's not doing that, right? It's funny. I, I I forgot I wrote this note, but now that we're talking about the '80s fashion, I have a note here talking about like uh, '80s was such a mishmash of stuff. I've, my note here says basically some guys look like Sonny Crockett, some guys look like Michael Jackson, some guys look like the Ramones, some guys look like Boogaloo Shrimp. That's, I mean, <laughs> and seriously, like it's such a mix of stuff. Like that's that's the thing you forget about in the eighties. You think about like all neon and stuff, but it's just it's all kinds of weird, right. terrible stuff. It's not just one flavor of terrible. It's like twenty flavors. It's the entire of awful. rainbow of terrible. It's really bad. So we uh, we head back to the apartment. Also, I oh. have a note saying eighties fashion. Kids in the eighties hated sleeves. That's, <laughs> that's my other note about eighties fashion. Anyway, continue. Uh, we head back. Ginger is uh, dancing. She's she's got a robe on. She's uh, gonna make some sandwiches. <laughs> right. And uh, as poor, poor Matt, he, he has not studied up on... Well, you know what, though? In his defense, the slasher genre, it was really... You know, it hadn't fully established. It was, you know, building. It, it wasn't at its peak yet. So yeah. maybe he hadn't seen them yet. And there wasn't, you know, VHS, so he would have needed to have seen them in theaters. I can't blame him for not knowing the rules of a slasher movie. Yeah, it's not, it's, it's, it, Scream hadn't arrived yet. Like, exactly. There wasn't teach, enough uh, like, history to know. To teach that. him the rules, but he didn't stand a chance. No, absolutely not. He tries. He puts up a fight. I was going to say, those, you know, I give him credit. They have to roll around in those underwear that, <laughs> that he had on. Yeah. I give him credit. He went out with a fight, but uh, he, he was no match for, for the Terminator. I mean, he gets thrown through a window and gets right back up. Yeah. The Terminator takes, when, at Tech Noir, when he gets thrown through a window, the Terminator takes longer to recover than, than Matt does. Yeah. Matt just jumps. He's, he's just like, he really he, takes that throw through a window. Pops back up. So the one thing I did notice in the fight, the, the one hard part was is that they, when Matt pops back up, he does tackle the Terminator. And so they cut away quickly, but in reality, you couldn't, I, there's no way Matt could knock over the Terminator. That's a good point. That, that, that endoskeleton had to be extremely heavy. But look, I, I completely understand it, right? It's, it's two stuntmen. There, there's a reason for it, but in reality, he should have run into that thing, and there's no way he could have lifted the Terminator. No, that's a very good point. I think that's, that's valid. I didn't think about it, but uh, yeah, he should bounce right off that. Thing. Exactly. But uh, uh, you know what? I tip my Captain Matt. He, he went down with a fight. I also like that the Terminator punches a pillow so hard that it like explodes. Yes, the, the, the feathers are just... Yeah, I don't know how that works. Like, I don't, it's, his, his fist isn't sharp. No, was he cutting open a pillow with a punch? But whatever. It's just um, visually, uh, you know. 
So so Matt gets added to the body count, and Ginger she does not put up much of a fight. Nope, she just kind of run tries to run away, and uh, she she dies like she's sliding into second base. Yeah, I d- <laughs> she's just like Woo, she just kind of yes. jumps forward. Uh, yeah, they're number seven and eight. Yeah, and this is this is where Sarah leaves the voicemail or the, yes, the, the answering on the, machine. on the answering machine, and the Terminator hears it and knows. He needs to uh, head over to Tech Noir. Yeah, that's bad luck. See, do you think if the Terminator hadn't heard that that answering machine message from Sarah, he would have thought that he killed Sarah? I mean, do you think he would have? Because then he confirms. And he try he finds an ID and says, "Oh, this is Sarah." But do you think he would have done that? Is it just a dumb robot? Would have been like job complete? Like you know, that's that's interesting. If he would have thought mission accomplished. Yeah. Um, you know, they don't really show him confirming. Well, one is done off screen, and the other, Sarah Connor, he, but he does get a confirmation because he, he just, asks her. Yeah, he just asks her, Sarah Connor. Yes. So you're right. Somebody could, somebody could lie, but I don't know. The, the, the precedent is there for him trying to confirm the kill. So I, I think he probably would have tried to confirm whether or not that actually was Sarah Connor. I guess. But it's just, uh, just very bad luck for Sarah that she leaves this message right when he's listening yes but the good luck is she at least then gets a hold of the police no no longer are all the police lines are busy she's able to get a hold of them after this yeah and she tells them where she is but they never show up we'll be right there where are you like there was a, a decent amount of time passes well yeah if the if the terminator was able to he had to like go find another phone book pristine phone book to find out where tech noir was at well, i think she leaves a an address or at least a oh does she a, leave the address cross okay. street i think she's just a corner okay. pico and something Oh, but then she tells the she tells the Lieutenant Traxler like, "Yeah, I'm at this place, Tech Noir," and he's like, "He's like, oh yeah, and Pico, I know where that is." <laughs> so, you know what? I hadn't thought about that. That's interesting. Do you think he, must, think he must be going there? He do must, you think he goes there, or do you think maybe it's like a place the police have to go to all the time because there's kind of some shady stuff yeah, going on that there? Could be. It could be either yeah. one. But I like the world actually where where he's hanging out there. Yeah, Lieutenant Traxler's going in his neon uh, sleeveless shirt and yeah. dancing. Yeah, I, that's I choose that, to believe that. I, that's what I choose. That, that's what I choose. Is that's that's like a cop hangout that they, nobody wants to really talk about it. Right. But but some of them like going to tech noir. Yeah, that's more fun to believe that. Well, speaking of uh, sleeveless shirts, because the, the Terminator shows up and the bouncer has uh, Nigel Tufnell's sleeveless. Uh, did I beat you to the note? Uh, you beat me in some <laughs> ways because that is among the things I wanted to discuss. The skeleton, this is, this the... is the year for this is Spinal Tap. So I did notice that I'm like, man, I, w- I wonder which came first. Nigel Tufnell wearing that or the, yeah, it, this Terminator movie wearing it's a, it? It's a shirt with a skeleton. It's snow sleeves and it's got like a skeleton on it just to explain. But uh, that shirt must have just been like a fad in 1984. Right. Something uh, you could easily get okay. off the shelf. I apologize for beating you to the punch there. That's I, know, right. I know how much you love Spinal Tap. <laughs> I, I know how much you love Spinal Tap. Uh, but yeah, that, that shirt. Yeah, he just kind of crushes that guy's fist or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, and then Reese is in there, apparently. Reese is there, and the Terminator just misses Sarah because of a bottle. Something gets knocked off. She knocks it off the table, ducks down. He's, uh, he's in scan mode and misses her on, on, the, on the first pass, and that gives Reese enough time to, uh, to identify the Terminator. Yeah, there's one extra in the sequence who's basically in every shot, and I just get distracted by him now that I've noticed him. He's behind Sarah. He's behind Kyle. He's, he, the, the Terminator passes him. He's in like a black and white sleeveless shirt, and he's just dancing like an idiot. Do you, do you think he's the original? He invented, I hate the term, but photobombing? Do you think he, is, he found a way, knew where the camera was going to be for each one of these and found his way into the shot? Well, I think it's just that they didn't have a lot of extras and they just had to use every extra they had in every single shot. But uh, he's just so prominent. He's actually, he's the last guy that the Terminator passes as he's approaching Sarah. Which I don't know. I'm just going to point him out uh, to you because 
I'm, I'm, it's, I've been ruined by this guy. This, that guy. Okay, I see him. <laughs> he's with got the, a black and white shirt. And he's, he's, I swear he's in the background of pretty much every shot. The gloves with like the fingers missing. Yeah, he's got, he's got those gloves, the fingerless gloves. And he's, he, his shirt, it's not even just sleeveless. It has like no sides at all. Yeah. It's one of those things. He's got like a rat's tail in the back. It's just the most 80s looking guy. So I'm just always distracted by this guy. So. so I'm hoping you can help me. I, on, the, on the body count here, I wasn't sure because I thought that I saw an extra body laying by Sarah. And I don't, I don't, I'm hoping you have the good count because I wasn't sure if I was counting them correctly. He, you see him sh- get shot, but it's very, it's really hard to spot. But you, okay. do, you do see him get shot. So basically, like, Terminator draws his gun, Reese draws his gun, Reese like, staggers the Terminator, and then Terminator turns and shoots a guy wearing a shirt and tie. That's number nine. Uh, so, yeah, Sarah runs. She tries to run out. The woman behind her gets shot in the back, and then simultaneously another guy gets shot. Okay, like, so the, other, the woman I, I clearly saw, but the other guy I just I didn't, I didn't pick up it's on. It's a guy in like a turquoise shirt. Yeah, it's like the camera's focused on the woman getting shot, but then to the left, like you see another guy fall down. It's, it's, it's hard to see, but yeah. So by my count, three innocent people die in the scene. Yep. So we're okay. 11. Then, yeah, Kyle knocks the Terminator out the window, and you get the line... That uh, is a famous line. Absolutely, come with me if you want to live. Yeah, it's 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 a great line. You know, it it, it's it's kind of gotten diluted over the years with so many Terminator movies, and the Terminator movies love to reuse dialogue. Uh, you know, it works well in Terminator Two, also. But absolutely, I think it. I mean, without this, there's no reason for it to work in Terminator Two. But I almost say, in some ways, Terminator Two, it's even more impactful, and I think works even better. So in the, the chase outside, I got that uh, Reese shotguns a car on fire. Uh, again, last action hero. Here's another explosion for your movie, kid. Yeah. I think he, at least they show that it shoots the gas tank, yeah. right? I mean, it's still not plausible. I don't think that would actually cause a car to explode, but they just wanted to set the Terminator on fire because this is like... Yeah, to show how indestructible it, it is. Yeah. Well, I shouldn't say indestructible, but how uh, menacing it is. Uh, yeah, they shake the Terminator off the car. And there's this, something I never noticed before, and again, I'm just we're just gonna watch it without. It's purely visual. The Terminator gets up, and this cop is like, "It's a hit and run, blah blah blah." And the way the Terminator bonks this guy's head in the door. <laughs> oh, I hadn't noticed. It's that. never something here. Just, it, oh, I <laughs> oh yeah. He, he bonks his head like Mo. It's just yes. he doesn't kill him. He just nope. goes like bong and just knocks him out. It's a, it's weirdly comical. I don't know if it's supposed to be comical, but this time it's just one of those little details that made me laugh. But yeah, so you know, before the Terminator gets that, you do have him trying to grab Sarah through, you know, the windshield. Again, so many similarities, you know, with what the T one thousand then does in in T two. Yeah. But you know, for a, a practical non CGI stunt, that it, it's pretty well done. Yeah. Oh yeah. And absolutely. Like, I mean, this is all this is one hundred percent real, more right. or less. I don't think he actually punched through. I think I saw something that they had some kind of mechanism to actually crack the windshield. But otherwise, it's like that's really Arnold riding on the back of a, or on the front of a car going right. backwards. Uh, you know, I mean, this they just shot it. You know, <laughs> they didn't use any trickery here. It's just like, no. well, it's a scene where a guy's on a car driving at thirty miles an hour. Let's just put a guy. Let's in a car. do it. Yeah. So you get the, uh, the car chase, and you get a lot of exposition where uh, Sarah, as proxy for the audience, learns about cyborgs. Which yeah. you know what. I mean, we, we take things for granted, especially where robotics, et cetera, has, and sci-fi has moved. But, you know, I, I try to think back. I'm like, in 1984, actually, a lot of that exposition, it's probably actually really important. Oh, yeah. The whole idea of cybernetic organism, that's what cyborg stands for. I, I don't think people would have known what a cyborg no. was. They had to explain that. You know, because, I mean, we've been, 
annoyed with exposition in, in some of the movies that we've watched that aren't as well done. When I really thought about it, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is, you know, you know, I, I know all this. But I'm thinking, you know what, in 1984, this exposition is actually extremely important. Yeah, I mean, robots are definitely a thing. Like, there have been 20 years of movies about robots, and Star Wars is obviously out by now and right. stuff like that. But yeah, the idea of a cyborg, I think, would be relatively new. To yeah, me. living tissue. And I mean, again, so many things came out you know, after this that we take for granted, you know, from RoboCop to uh, a, a whole host of other you know, science fiction that because of computers was able to be brought to the screen. Um, but Sarah learns about it, so does the audience. Yeah, and you called it a chase, but it's not really a chase. Like, I get like, you know, the whole idea of the scene is there's, they just dump the, all the exposition all out at once. Like, here's, I, okay, the first half of this movie, you don't know what's going on. And again, this is me trying to put myself into a world of me not knowing what the Terminator is. So the first half of the movie, you don't know what's going on. Two people magically appear. I mean, I guess you know that from the future because the opening crawl tells you. But And then this whole scene is just, we're going to explain everything you need to know in three minutes. And like any other movie that would not work at all, it'd just be boring. After like forty five seconds, you'd be like, "All right, I get it. He's a robot, you know." But again, it's, it's, it speaks to James Cameron's ability as a filmmaker, where uh, this is interesting. And I think the reason why you don't get bored is because they're bombing around. Just you know, he's he is just you know, I don't know how fast he's going, but the fact of the matter is, no one's chasing them, but he's still driving crazily. And I think <clears> the only reason for that is just to keep the energy up. Like, okay. Here's this exposition. We got to explain this stuff to the audience. So let's at least have him driving around and make it ex- as exciting as we can. I guess you're right. I, I had it that the police, you know, oh, yeah, car chase, that the police eventually show up. But you're right. You're it's right. not like they're within five <laughs> feet of them. Well, part you of the never reason, really see them. Yeah, I think the police catch him, or at least the police start chasing him because he's driving so crazy. Right. If he'd have just, if it had been like drive, where he just okay, now we need to blend in. Like he would have gotten away easily, but he's driving so crazy. It's funny that you mention that because it ends in a parking garage, and, and the thing that I had is I'm like, oh, it's too bad that the Clippers weren't playing and they didn't have it on the police <laughs> scanner like the opening to Drive. Which, yeah. if anybody listening has, I'm assuming probably have seen Terminator. If you haven't seen Drive. I think it's a, a fantastic movie, but if for nothing else, I think the opening sequence to that movie is one of the best openings, including then the opening credits, which are very 1980s, even though it's not a 1980s movie. Yeah, that movie kind of actually, it's funny, speaking of the resurgence of the 80s, I think that movie had a lot to do with that. Yeah. I think that drive was one of the first kind of steps of this whole like 80s resurgence. renaissance. It's like that, yeah, that movie kind of did a lot of that. Uh so yeah, so they they wind up in a parking garage, um, and what I the the one thing I had that I I I think would be very interesting is he talks about the six hundred series having rubber skin. Yeah. Oh, would I love to see what a six hundred series looks looks like? Uh, I mean, you kind of do in the scene where the Terminator's pulling out his eye later. It's, it's, that looks pretty rubbery. It, like, it does. That effect does not hold up well. But I'd like to see the one where it's trying to blend in. Right. And does it do? Do the humans do they just laugh first at it and <laughs> yeah. then destroy it? That's true. Yeah, I do. You're right. We should have, we should see that scene. Greetings, fellow human. Exactly. It, it doesn't I have the your... language right, and it doesn't have the skin. And they just say, "Yeah, this, you didn't even have a chance here. Let's just put the detonators right on this one." Well, especially because I, I imagine rubber skin would just melt. Like all you have to yes. do is take a flamethrower through it, and it's just it's just like ah. Anyway, uh, <laughs> well, also there's the detail of uh, yeah, this 800 series. His skin, it looks human to see it's got everything. Bad breath, everything. Bad breath? How do they know that? Like, I, how do you <laughs> that, simulate that? Well, that's, that's the other... It, it, that painted a picture in my head of some Terminator infiltrated them so well that someone was making out with it. Like, it was just... <laughs> 
fuck it was, that? It was just having a life. Like you got married, just like in bed. Someone, someone had to learn that. Was a construction worker, perhaps? <laughs> exactly. Yep. Oh, we'll get to that in many months. Many, but, many months. But yes. Um, yeah, but yeah. It's, it's like, I guess that asks the question: Is uh, these are infiltration units? Do they do that? Do they actually try to? Pass as humans, or is it like we see a little bit later where it just gets just enough to get in yeah. to re- wreak havoc? But like in that situation, they identify it, and that's maybe why. Maybe he, why, yeah, it, it turns. So is that guy's mission? Is that Terminator's mission to get in, pass as human, and like learn things, or get is it much- just get in there and kill everybody? No, it's interesting, and it could be that there are certain ones that are designed. Just, they're a Terminator, but they're designed just to infiltrate to get. It's not only just information of where humans are located, but details to try and make the next series even more passable and more believable. Until it gets to the T-1000 where it doesn't matter anymore because anything it touches, it can replicate and look like a carbon copy of of what it replicates. Right. Uh, Yeah, so anyway, they're they're hiding in this parking lot. A bunch of exposition. I mean, it's, it's it's interesting how just everything is explained. Yeah, John Connor, nuclear war. You you basically, you, you run it down until... The, the Terminator drives in, yeah. and what what, and, and the police arrive as well. But I, I did also have admit I had a lot of last action hero. You do get a scene in here where the Terminator's driving with no hands. Oh, do you? Yes, and it's that. not like the T one thousand where in the helicopter it has the extra hand that it grows so that it can fly. Um, with it could be driving with its knee, yeah. No, the uh, the Terminator does drive with no hands in a, in a scene here. Well, it's, in the easy if you, if it's easy if you practice. Yes, it, it takes many, many years of practice. And he's not in heavy traffic. So. And he's not in heavy traffic at all. Yeah, it's perfectly safe. Uh, yeah, that's, I mean, they get caught. How do they get caught again? Because the Terminator spots them, right? Yes. So they're changing cars. Like, you think, like, I get that he wants a car, like he feels safer in a car, but wouldn't they be better trying to escape on foot, like... It seems like a bad idea to just try to like, steal another car and I, drive out of that same parking lot that the police and the Terminator both know that they're in this... Like, they're, they must have the exits blocked, at the very least, like, you know, it just seems like a bad strategy. To no, it does. Car. I mean, it's clear that they need a car because they need to get a lot of distance, between, eventually a lot of distance between them and the Terminator. Um, but you're right. To try and take it out of that garage when it's already been identified, the police know they're in there, and since... They don't know, but the Terminator has a police car. The Terminator knows where, where they're at. It, it is a bad strategy. Yeah. So anyway, there's, there's a little bit more of a chase, right? Because the Terminator spots them. Yep. They're shooting at each other. And then the, ends up on the freeway where the Terminator <laughs> plays chicken with a wall in that case. Yes. And it, I got the, you can call it Ninja Arnold, but I have Ninja Terminator because the Terminator just disappears. Oh, that's, yeah, that's true. Very much a racer of the, <laughs> just disappears. <laughs> that's where he learned that skill, apparently. Yes, Arnold, in 1984. Yeah, uh, the, it was it was learned of how he could just disappear. I mean, you know, it's a Terminator and it basically can't be harmed. Like I can imagine, like it it is, is there an explosion or does it just crash? No, it just crashes. And so I guess the, yeah, I was gonna say like if there's a big explosion, he just kind of sneaks out with the with the explosion. But, but here's my, my question: even more than disappearing, actually, actually, whatever. It, it it's movie. It's done in movies all the time. Yeah. But what I don't understand is why does the Terminator leave those cops there? He doesn't need to disappear. I think the Terminator could just get out and just, you know, unfortunately add to the body count because it's not like there's anything that hurts the objective of him just killing more of, of humans that are in his way. Yeah. So, that, I mean, I understand I, they wanted to save that for the police station. I get it. Um, but it. But logically, you could easily have that Terminator come up and just wipe all those, those police out. I mean, I, I guess the idea is he's damaged and doesn't think he could 
take on all those cops in, in that condition because he does between this point and the police station. Isn't that when he repairs himself? Yeah. So after the, the when he did, pulls the ninjas, yes. He, so I think that's probably he, what he does some repairs, is. and that's where you get the sunglasses. You get the the eye for when he comes back for the probably the most famous scene and the famous line in this movie is yes, he's yeah. done the repairs and comes to the police station because he's a friend of Sarah Connor. Yeah, because I think that's next. They take they they get arrested. Yes, and the Terminator goes and makes his repairs. Which I want to ask about these repairs. It's something I, there's a detail I never noticed before is when he's repairing his eye, he pulls out an eyeball. Right? And it lands yep. in the sink. I don't think I've ever even really... I didn't remember that. And it's funny. I think all the years I used to watch The Terminator, I think I had an edited copy. And stuff like that where the eyeball is maybe a little too violent. And then the, the sex scene later with Sarah. Like, I never remember that that's there. And I go like, oh, right. <laughs> the sex scene exists. Because I think I grew up watching an edited version. Could be. And so that eye, I never remembered it. So, so my question is, okay, the Terminator looks out of those red eyes. Those are his actual mechanical eyes. And then there's an eyeball in front of it. So how does the Terminator actually see? There's eyeballs in front of his eyes. That's a good question. <laughs> Can he see out of the eyeballs too? It's just something that never occurred to me until just maybe now. I was like, wait just... a minute, his whole his whole vision is obstructed by those fake eyeballs. Well, maybe those fake eyeballs are just completely clear. I don't know. But I you're, guess. You're, you're right. There, it would be an obstruction. It was just something that never occurred to me. And it just it raised the question. It's like, wait a minute. How does that even work? I mean, whatever. It's a movie and it's, it's fantastical. But uh, considering everything, it, you know, this is a pretty well thought out world. Yep. Like James Cameron did think it through very well. It's just one of those things just like, wait, I don't get that, but whatever. Just they have some way to see through those eyes or see out of those eyes. Who knows? So uh, we get to the police station and I just have Dr. Silverman, I presume. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I love Dr. Silverman. He's great. He is a great character and he's, he's, it's the right actor too. I mean, they, they, it was a good choice. Yeah. Earl Bowen is this guy's name. He, uh, I know him primarily, I don't know if you're familiar with these, the, the Monkey Island games. No. They were mostly on PC. Okay. I grew up playing these. I, I, I loved Monkey Island. And so, but they didn't actually get voice acting until the third game, which came out in like 97. So it was years later. And he played the villain in that, the, 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 the dead pirate LeChuck. But he's, he's kind of like, like LeChuck. He, he has like a cartoonish pirate voice. He's just like, yeah, he's just one of these like, he's a villainous pirate. And he's kind of comical. But his voice, I, I so associate with those games. It's weird seeing him. Like just Playing. seeing him in this role, <laughs> yeah. yes. And it's also weird considering uh, how different he is between this and Terminator Two. Or that movie is kind of a villain, and here's just this doofus. Yeah, he's just this you know guy who's punching a clock, right? I mean, he's definitely uh, he's very callous in terms of you know he's talking about like oh, I can make a career on this guy. He's crazy. Like he obviously doesn't care about you know he thinks that Reese is. You know, has is delusional, is insane. Yeah, right. and, he, and but he doesn't actually care about curing him. He no. just, I can make a fortune on this guy. Like, right. In some ways, he's like you know Doctor Chilton in you know Silence of the Lambs. He's right. Far more interested in what the patient can do for him than what he can do for the patient. Right. He's not openly villainous, but he's like he's selfish and uh, right. callous, I guess. Uh, and then uh, Lance Henriksen has a line, and maybe you understand this because I don't. Where he goes, oh, I love this guy, Silverman. Last week, he he had a guy in here burned his Afghan. Well, he screwed it first. And then the guy, uh, what's his name, shushes him. What the hell is he talking about? I don't know. Burned uh, Afghan. Like, I don't know what I don't know what that even means. Nope. I, I, I stopped and went back three times. Like, what did he say? And I turned the captions on. I was like, he burned his Afghan. Well, he screwed it first. What is he talking about? I, is that an animal? Well, I, I guess I would say is, you know, maybe he masturbated or something with his afghan and then set it on fire i i don't know 
Doesn't you talking about like a blanket? Yes, that kind of an Afghan. Yes, I don't know. I think it must be some kind of like there must be some kind of dog breed, like an Afghan or something. I don't understand that line at all, and it's 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 so strange. I had I tried so hard to figure it out, and I could not figure it out. So yeah, so you get you know Reese uh, Reese saying that it's just him and the Terminator, the entire delusions. They try and explain it away. I do like how. It just takes body armor and some PCP to make Arnold Schwarzenegger the Terminator. Yeah. I don't know, man. The, the, I understand, you know, you got to try and find an explanation, but I just, I kind of found it funny when I think about my PCP and body armor. I think it's a little bit more. Uh, I mean, you know, they didn't actually see it. So they're just, they're, they're probably assuming that she's exaggerating. Or, yes, you know. out of stress that, you know, she right. thinks she saw something she didn't. Well, Sarah takes, uh, takes a cue from Kyle Reese and she's going to take a nap. She, uh, <laughs> She's having part of a day off, or at least that's what they, they tell her to go go lay down on, on the couch. Yeah, I mean, she's kind of earned it at this point. I mean, well, the Terminator's finished uh, repairing himself. There's one little detail that I picked up this time where he puts the glasses, he's fixed his eye, he's put his glasses on, and he fixes his hair before yes. he walks away. I, I like that. that <laughs> I've never that, noticed that he, before. That he's, he's a little bit like Ginger, right? He needs, he needs to get ready to go out as well. He's a very vain Terminator, yes. apparently. Yeah, I never noticed that he fixes his hair. I, I, did, I did notice it in the hat, and it made me laugh. Yeah. So then, you know, we get back after he's made his repairs, and it's this is, you know, what I certainly remember. Um, the first time when I saw it as a kid, and I, you know, it's it still has the same impact. It's it's I don't know if it's written just you know for comedic effect, you know, whatever it was written for, it, it really really works in terms of I love the way the Terminator, you know, scans and you know is looking up, and you can say you know see it's it's like checking the structural integrity and. What do I need to do damage to get back in here? And will this car? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, it's great, and yeah. and I'm a friend. Of, I'm a friend of Sarah. Con- I mean, everything about it is is still iconic to this day. It's an iconic scene. Should we just play the clip? Because I feel it. like I feel like it's it's so iconic. You know, you we have haven't really to. we haven't really played any clips this episode, no. so this should, this should be our one. Yeah. And so Doctor Silverman just misses him because of his beeper. Yeah, exactly. And this leather jacket, which I don't know where he gets this, but I'm a friend of Sarah Connor. I was told that she's here. Could I see her, please? No, can't see her. She's making a statement. Where is she? Look, it may take a while. I want to wait. There's a bench over there. Yeah, you're right. This this moment where he right. scans, he looks back. He, he's how can I the, get there? Yeah, he's looking at the glass. He's yeah. He's, I'm sure there's all kinds of calculations going on. Yep. He leans in. I'll be back. It's fantastic. It's it's one of the greatest moments in movie history. I mean, yeah. forget about the movies that we're discussing. I mean, you get the beat. The the music is fantastic. Right. This like heart. I like he's, this, he's this poor cop doing paperwork too in pencil. That's my yeah. favorite part. In case I make a mistake, yep. he's filling it out in pencil. I mean, what do you think? This is you know, a couple of beats, couple of be- yeah, the, the, like the pause in between, and then here he comes, crushes this guy. This guy. It's great. Yeah. Um, and you know, from from there, I think that line, and and I I did a little bit. I mean, from that line is 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 the beginning of again his launch into the stratosphere. That's what he'll forever be remembered for. This scene in in terms of Arnold, but um, you know what I had had read doing a little bit of research on it was that it was it was a I think a pretty tense back and forth. You know, assuming that multiple sources are correct between Cameron and Schwarzenegger, Schwarzenegger didn't like the line and didn't think the way he, with his accent that it would sound right, including he wanted it to not be owl, a contraction, and his position was a, a machine wouldn't use a contraction. Yeah. 
And he was having trouble with it because of his accent also. Right, but either way. I mean, it's just... The it, fact that Cameron insisted he, he was right. And he was right. I mean, I will, I will be back. It's just the rhythm, Doesn't rhythm is all wrong. Right. He was absolutely right that the, 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 as you said, the rhythm of it is what makes it an iconic line. And just imagining the alternate universe where Arnold didn't have that as a catchphrase. You know, if, they, if, if he had won out and, cha- and convinced James Cameron to change it, like, would Arnold have even... I mean, maybe he would have had some other thing, but... It's interesting. I don't think it necessarily changes his career, but it it, change, it impacts it without a doubt. Yeah, because this was his... I mean, so many movies he says this. This is his iconic line. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it, it's, it's weird to think that it almost didn't happen. And I actually... So the what I love, too, about it is I actually like the line before... The, where is she? The... The, the tense in the, the delivery in that of him like demanding it. I, I actually really, really like that in terms of that actually seems it, it shouldn't be a menacing line, but the way he delivers it. I mean, it should be in terms of the Terminator because it's getting frustrated because it knows that Sarah is there. Right. Or it's pretty sure. But I, I really in watching through this, paying a little bit more close attention to details. I really like his delivery. Where is she? Yeah. And, you know. Arnold deserves credit for his performance in this movie. You know, we were saying he doesn't have a lot of lines, you know, but the lines that he does have, I don't think he, you know, he, he nails every single one of them. He, he feels like a, he feels robotic without, he's, he's portraying a robot, but his performance isn't robotic. Right. Let me put it that way. Like he's actually, he doesn't you know, feel stiff, but it, fe- right. it feels like a killing machine that is looking to meet its objective. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of his objective, uh, he carries it out <laughs> with uh, brutal efficiency here. He I, terminates is, quite a few people. I was just going to say, it's not on the commando level. Um, but And I also wanted to get your count, because I'm pretty sure when we get to T2, I think the actual on-screen that you can count is different than what is you get in terms of the number in T2, what it says the number is. Oh, what it says when? Because lately in Terminator Two, you'll eventually get when the oh, video right. they shows say, up. Like, oh, this is the guy who. This is the guy who. I think it's like thirty something, and it isn't. I don't have anywhere near that. I'm, yeah, I'm, me neither. And I'm only counting what you can see. What you can see, because absolutely, he, there there are moments where he's shooting off screen. He's like shooting into a doorway, and it's probably, but you have no idea. Yeah, you have no idea. But I, I've got. A total of fourteen. We can go through them one by one. I got, I've got them one by one if, if you want. But uh, uh, I have them too. But I, you know, maybe you just call attention to the ones that that ultimately matter. Well, I love the guy who's who's on a he's on a call. He's just like, huh? He just yep. looks up like, what? And there were two. I think there's two guys at desks in that in that office too. Well, one guy's on a call and the other guy gets like knocked into his file cabinets. Uh, yeah, that guy on the phone though cracks me up. Uh, oh, and then. <laughs> One cop, it's in a hallway where he's just running. He's just like, let's get out of here. He's just, yep. he's just trying to get out, <laughs> and he gets shot in the back. He doesn't make it. Yeah, and uh, I don't know. Yeah, the, the oh, and one last guy, because yeah, I think the three guys, my favorite three guys, the guy on the phone, the guy who just tries to run, and then there's a guy who just pops out of a doorway, and it reminded me of like an old video game. Yep. Not nice like, shooting. <laughs> Try another one. Exactly. It's the, the guy with the mustache who just pops out of a door. Yep. He's like the second to last guy. <laughs> Guy, he looks so much like a video game. Yes, shoot that, me, guy. Yes, I'm. I'm an extra. Please mow me down. Yeah, like <laughs> it's the last thing you should be doing against a Terminator. Popping out, like no, shoot around the corner. Don't just pop out like an idiot. So and so within there, do you have Paul Winfield and, and Lance? Yeah, Paul Winfield and Lance Hendrickson are both killed here. It's interesting. There's a there's the cut scene where Paul Winfield is dying, and he like Kyle and uh, Sarah run by, and he's like. Oh, you're right. Like you have to, you know, save Sarah or whatever. Like it shows that he comes to believe Kyle's story that right. this is a Terminator. Uh, but obviously that scene was cut, and 
the way the movie is now, I almost didn't count Paul Winfield because he gets shot, and you see him kind of moving still because Lance Henderson tries to like he, he goes all Rambo and tries to yes. get revenge. <laughs> didn't didn't work out yeah. very well against the Terminator. No, not a great idea. But the last time you see Paul Winfield, he's still alive. Yep. But you have to presume that those were fatal wounds. I, I presumed as well, but I wanted to get your your ruling. So with the uh, with the police massacre, what's the body count at? So we're at twenty four now. Twenty-four. Fourteen uh, deaths in this scene. Certainly uh, going to be more body count than puns in this one. Yeah, and that's another thing. I have, I have, I'm still at zero. I don't know if you picked up any puns up to this point. I didn't, but you know what? It, it's a pretty serious, you know, action movie. It's yeah. I think James Cameron isn't a fan of puns. No, I don't think in any of his movies. He's not you know, a, true. Think of it. True Lies probably has some, but it's it's a different, yeah, different type of movie. You're fired. But you know, that's the pun that doesn't really make sense. But whatever. At yeah. least, at least, it's, there's at least one pun in True Lies, and it's yes. you're fired. Uh, yeah. It's it's kind of a shame that these two cops. Their deaths are so unceremonious. Yeah. Like, it's not, no big deals made out of it. It's kind of what I meant earlier about this whole subplot is sort of a dead end and doesn't go anywhere that meaningful. The movie sets up these cops to be important characters and then they're just off. Gone. I mean, maybe that's the whole idea of, that's supposed to make you realize, like, oh, it's Terminator, serious business. These characters that you thought were going to be important. Nope. It's it's like Psycho or whatever. They were no no match in any way, shape, or form for the Terminator. Yeah. So So Reese gets another car, and this is where I finally got the note. You know what? This is another movie where, uh, like a racer, very utilitarian cars. (laughs) I had that same note. Every every car in this movie, from the Terminator to Reese, they're all utilitarian. But this is a whole parking lot full of police cruisers, and he steals like a gremlin or something. (laughs) I don't know what that car is, but it's not. <laughs> Come on, you've got way better options there. I, I also cruiser. I feel bad for the the police officer that he 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 or she is driving a police cruiser by day, and then that's the car that they have to take home at night. <laughs> that's a good point. I didn't think about that. That's some cop's car. I mean, you know, just, you know what? It's probably Lance's car when you really think about it. That's why he went Rambo. He's trying to over overcompensate for the really garbage car that he has in the parking lot. You know, an honest cop. Uh, I don't take all the home a lot of money. Exactly. You know, it's, 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 this was the best car that I could afford. Is, is there something wrong? You find it amusing the way I drive my, my automobile. automobile? Uh, we're doing references again. So many Simpsons in this one. I know. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but they get away. Terminator doesn't really do much to chase them. I don't know. It just kind of like it's all, it's 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 all pooped out from killing. <laughs> I mean, it was a lot of work. I mean, he was, he was ripping you know ripping out power power uh, sources, taking a lot of bullets too. So he's got some more damage. He's got to work about you know uh, work to fix. That's so true. That's plausible, right? That that he wouldn't be going full full speed trying to run after him. Yeah, and he's not like the Terminator the, the T one thousand where he's just, he's not very uh, fleet of foot. This Terminator, exactly. that's for sure. Uh, yeah, so they get away. They they. Hiding some like underpass, yeah, uh, on a viaduct, and uh, Reese gets some medical attention. Yeah, and this is where he gives gives her the future is not set speech, which carries on throughout the series. Yes, it does. Uh, it's interesting, like how formal this speech is. Or I don't know. I don't know. if Formal is the right word. No, but it, it it feels it feels like a a political address. Or, yeah, know, it, it it does it does not feel conversational. No, it's 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 and it's it's one of these like. Like time paradox things where it's not clear who originated this because right. John Connor tells Reese, Reese tells Sarah, Sarah tells John, and so the origin of it is like ambiguous or non-existent depending on like your point of view about time travel movies. Like this, this movie in particular seems to say that it's just a loop. There's no, there's no origin. It's just like the whole thing just loops around. So it almost feels robotic in a weird way. Like it's, it's. 
I don't, it, it, it's it, it's a strange speech. It's 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 like it's like twice as long as it should be. Like that's like, I think what it comes down to. That that's it's very wordy. That that's probably fair. But and then you get um, as I alluded to earlier, Sarah has the dream from the description that you know Reese has has described. So is this her dream or is this just a flash forward? I I interpreted this as a flash forward, kind of like we saw at the beginning, where we're actually seeing the literal future. We're seeing like maybe a memory of Kyle's. You think this is a dream? Maybe you know, maybe you're right, and I, I might have confused this one maybe with with something later. Because no, Sarah wakes up from a dream later. Well, in she the week. yeah, she wakes up and she says, "I was dreaming about dogs." Which I mean, maybe you're right. Maybe she. Was oh actually... no, that that's that's right. That she wakes up after this, right? Saying dreaming about dogs, and that's the. Re- I I wasn't sure if this was her dream or him. You know, completely laying it out. E- either way, you get um, an introduction. Uh, not an introduction, but you get a little bit more. Not just of the tanks rolling over skulls you get a little bit of like the everyday life in in the future right but i mean if you think this is a, I mean, are, we, are we gonna rule this is a dream or not because there are bodies here uh um, it's a dream then they don't count i see i i think even i think what we're counting on this is whatever's on screen so i think even if it's a dream even, i still think they count even dream bodies count. i think so okay i i my interpretation of this and i mean i think the interpretation that this is a, this is sarah's dream is you know I think that's a valid one, but because it's so specific and it's it's it matches up with what we saw earlier, I feel like this is just a real scene. This this is something that actually happened to Reese. That's that's probably fair. And you see the origin of the photo, or he has a photo of her, and it burns up, right? Yeah. Uh, but and, anyway, and what I also yeah, Reese has the uh, the the picture that you eventually get at the end of the movie. I right. also. I just had a note that TV was still entertaining children uh, in a <laughs> right. bleak future. It was just f- literally the first form of entertainment, fire yeah. inside the cutout of a TV. That's kind of a, a darkly funny yes. shot. I don't know if it was intended or not, but I, I took I took some dark humor out of that. Yeah, it, it's simultaneously really it kind of funny and really sad. Right, like, it's bleak. It's, yeah, it's very bleak. Uh, yes, yeah, so this, this Terminator shows up, uh, played, by, played by... Franco. Yep. <laughs> Is this the first time we've seen him on screen? I think so. Okay. Uh, no Sven, but Franco Colombo. Uh, yeah, it's it's funny how I think every single movie, possibly every single movie we've watched, Arnold got at least one of his buddies in there. And this, in this it's case, been, it's, it's Franco Colombo. It's been it's been good to know Arnold for a couple of his bar, bodybuilding buddies. Yeah, for sure. But uh, it's interesting. This movie establishes that not all the Terminators look alike because this is a yeah. different Terminator. Yep. And I, I assume this is another, another T T eight hundred because it does not have rubber skin. Does not have rubber skin, and it's not the T one thousand because the technology for the movies wasn't there for the T one thousand. Yeah, yet. and this one thing I don't like about like about future Terminator movies, although it's fine in T two because obviously you want to have Arnold in the movie, but the conceit that all the Terminators look like Arnold Schwarzenegger, I think it's kind of silly. Blend in? Yeah, because once the once the humans got one, if right. they all look the same, that would be crazy. Because then they know just look for everybody that looks like Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> right, exactly. It's the same problem that uh, the remake, the new newer Battlestar Galactica had, which I don't know if you watched any. Of that. I haven't seen. No, it's I, I was not a big fan of it, and that's one of the reasons it has the same problem. I won't uh, spoil that too much. So yeah, so the Franco Terminator, I guess we can call it, uh, comes in and unfortunately does a lot of damage. Yeah, I got nine bodies here, so we're up yep. to thirty-four. Uh. Yeah, and Sarah, she wakes up, she was dreaming about dogs, and she kind of, like, huddles up with Reese. Partially because she's cold, but also I'm sure she's frightened or whatever. And I have a note here saying, is he still wearing the homeless guy's pants? I, I believe so. Because <laughs> she's just, like, you know, huddled up with him. Which is, he must really stay. I was going to say, he cannot be all that great. Because not even just from the homeless guy. I'm just, you know, he's probably, he's been working. He's probably been sweating himself. Oh, yeah, Absolutely. 
and so we then get, uh, as I said at the flop house, the Terminator's looking through the address book. Uh, I'm trying to come up with a, a new strategy. Uh, <laughs> right. I, I, I thought you'd like a new strategy. And then so what I love is, I, I don't know if you, do you have the, the responses written down? Oh, I, have, I have all six responses, yeah. Right. <laughs> Go ahead, because I... Oh, do you have them? Go ahead, I have them, but no, please, please, fire away. Yeah, so it says, it says the guy says like, well, first of all, I need to ask because the guy says, "What does a cat die in there or something?" Which I guess there's an implied death here, but I don't know. If no, I, we can I get, confirm that. I get that there's just a stench, and that there's well, maybe either, it's like his skin rotting. or I something. think so, yeah. But it could easily be that the person that previously occupied the flop house, yeah, because he goes in through the window, right? So there could have been somebody in there. I I wouldn't put it to the body count because it it's it's too hard to confirm. But it, either yeah. way, it could be that his skin is starting to not smell so great from all the damage, uh, or it could be that the previous occupant is no longer with us. And I did not count it, so we're on the same page. But I wasn't one hundred percent sure. So okay, so the guy the guy knocks on the door. Says, what a cat die in there? And so says possible response: yes, no, or what? Go away. Come back. Please come back later. F you a hole. And then just F you, which I think I like. Oh. I mean, it's, it's the full, I'm, I'm censoring myself. But yeah. I like that, that F you is after F yes. you a thank you. So I love the ranking is how <laughs> that one is last. But I also like that they're all pretty much pretty confrontational or, you know, an ultimatum. But I do love that there's one. Please come back later. I, so right. I, I want to know, was that the one that Wall-E or like Johnny Five helped program? That let's get at least one pleasantry. All of the rest of them can be confrontational, but let's at least get one pleasantry. He's, he's polite in a couple of situations earlier. Because I think when he comes to visit, visit the police station, he says, oh, can I see her, please? I'm a friend of second. I'm a friend. Well, he says, please. And I think he says, please, in the gun shop. So, it, you know. It's true. But what I love, though, is when you look at the categories, it's just great that there's only one. Yeah, Everything one. else is just looking for trouble. Well, there's just yes slash no. That's one of the options I'm, you know you could have just said no that's, that's relatively yeah polite. but you got go away or what <laughs> and then F you and then the one that of course he, I like he goes through them all and selects yes this is the best option yeah. F you a-hole he's right because the guy goes away so. it's, it, it is effective yep. and I, I, I particularly love Arnold's delivery on this one too I think it's I, I, I love it yeah Oh, the whole movie he's great uh, so cut to Kyle and Sarah at a motel and he's got a wad full of a wad of cash to pay for the hotel room. Yeah, perhaps that bank he robbed that bank, <laughs> as you said, on his day off. Well, the the, the part that I don't understand it's, it's this is nitpicking. That's what we do in this podcast, you know, for the most part. But the he has his wad of cash. He he hasn't left her side since they left the police station. And certainly, if he had that cash at the police station, they would have confiscated it. Yeah. So I guess he must have like gone out of his way to recover it from the evidence locker or something. I was going to say that it was probably pretty wide open. He could have found cash at that police station. He's just grabbing the cop's wallet as he goes. Yes. <laughs> that's one. Yeah, he that's probably one. could have put a lot together from that. That's, pretty, that's one possible explanation. So, yeah, so from there, the, the Terminator, well, before that, Terminator figures out from the address book, you eventually get uh, where he wisely goes, which is Mom's cabin. Yeah, and he, he, she is definitely dead. Yes. I don't think we see, or do we see the body? I'm you don't sure. see, but you can definitely add that one. That, yeah. that's, con- that's a confirm. So he copies her mom's voice. Here's my question. How much of a sample does he need to copy someone's voice? He has to at least hear their voice, right? To understand, to know what it sounds like? Yeah, in terms of, you're right, to get every single word. That's interesting. How, how could it adapt her voice if he didn't, it didn't hear every of the words that it needs to say? Well, I don't know if it needs to hear every word, because he, he in purpose says that cop earlier, 
we skipped over where the, the, he steals the cop's car. The, right. guy, the cop, he bonks his head on, yes. on the car. Uh, and that, that, he only hears that cop say, like, two sentences. It's but true. Like, I, I, was just, I just wasn't sure. He must have at least had some kind of an exchange oh, yeah, with no, her he, mom. I'm sure he, when he first came to the door, he didn't immediately start mowing her down. Right. He had her say something, and then... So did he pose? <laughs> I just wonder if he, like, posed as, like, a salesman or something. That would Hello. be... In that jacket, I mean, you know, maybe he's just a, a street tough that needed to use the phone. Yeah, it could be. Yes, I need to use a phone. Uh, but yeah, he must have spoken to her a little bit. I was just yeah. curious what they what they talked about. Uh, so yeah, he she gives away her position. He tells her. He, yep. She thinks he's talking to her mom. Tells her mom where where she is. Uh, and then Kyle buys supplies and they make uh, pipe bombs. Making some pipe bombs. Yes. The Terminator. Then uh, I've got is getting on a motorcycle and. Man, they really upgraded a lot in T2 because the, the motorcycle he gets in Terminator 2 is far more impressive than what uh, Arnold gets to ride around on in this one. I didn't really notice the motorcycle. What, what, it, what is it? I don't know. It just it, it seemed pretty lame compared, compared to what he gets to uh, ride in T2. Well, he's definitely riding like a big Harley in 2, right? Because yeah. he goes to that biker bar and that's where he gets it. Yes. You know, I don't think you see where he gets this one. Like It's, it's left. It's just out and you don't really establish how, how he got it. But he, he does hop on it and start it. You see that. Okay, right. But you don't you don't get where he got the keys from and how he can. So right. I mean, he smashed his car into a police station. So he, he, I, I'm sure he had to he had to spend some time finding a new vehicle. Uh, yeah, and then this is where Kyle come back to Kyle and they're making pipe bombs and he declares his love. He, he loved. He fell in love with her picture. Yes. Which I don't know. It's right on the fence. It's right on that borderline between like genuinely romantic and kind of creepy. It's like I had your picture. I love. I've loved you. I've always loved you. It's like you got a picture. That's right. A little strange, but you know he's he's in a horrifying future. Like any little thing you can cling to. Yes, it's not, and there probably aren't a ton of options for him in the future either. So why not cling on? You know. Something, someone from the past. Yeah, I think it works, but just barely. It's pretty close to being. Uh, yeah, it's strange. It's flimsy. Uh, I like how embarrassed he gets because he like declares his love. And he's, I shouldn't have said that. Like it's, it works. That scene works really well. I think it's the way he's so closed off. He's a soldier. He's he's a soldier, and he lives in a horrifying world. Like he has to like wall off all of his emotions just to survive. And yeah, one in a lot of ways, he, he's he, like a robot. Yeah, exactly. And that's it's a good point. Like he, like. What's the phrase like to, to slay the monster? You have to become one, or whatever. Like, yeah, yeah, he's he's very robotic, and just the way he like he opens up his emotions a little bit, and then just like I shouldn't have, and he just closes right back. Like, and and Michael Bean, we haven't talked about him a lot, and I think he deserves some credit, like acting wise. I mean, everybody in this movie is good. I don't think there's a bad performance no. in this movie. Uh, his career didn't really go any place. I mean, he's an aliens, and he, he he had a decent career for a while, but he didn't become a big star or anything. And I think he's. He's good. Like, I, I'm surprised he didn't. No, I he, I think he had... He didn't have a great career, but I think he had a pretty good one. As you said, he's in Aliens, he's in The Rock. I mean, he he did... Yeah, but the, the Rock, he's got a pretty small part in The Rock. Yeah, but you're right. This this did not... Despite the fact of having being the hero, because he really is the hero, having way more dialogue, this did not do for him what it did for Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. So maybe in hindsight, maybe he would have wished... He would have been cast as the Terminator instead. Well, you'd think the the one-two punch of this and Aliens, you would have thought that would have really propelled him into you know being a being a big movie star, and it just really didn't. It's yeah. surprising. But yeah, here's the this is the the sex scene that I was saying. I yeah, always so forget exists. Sarah Sarah breaks the rule, but she survives the slasher movie. She well, she does, but he he does not. He, you're right. He gets punished for Reese it. Reese gets he he 
He does not make it. That's the way it always is in the slasher movies. There's always one girl who survives. Like, she's just, she's the only, I mean, they're the only two left. And in a slasher movie, there can only be one survivor. That's the rule. And it's usually the girl. So, you know, basically by default, she, you know, she gets this, she gets like a get out of sex free card, basically, is (laughs) what it comes down to. Uh, This, this, it's funny because this uh, sex scene, it's maybe like, the least gratuitous sex scene in movie history because a lot of times, you know, it, there's, it's, uh, you know, like I said, I, growing up watching an edited version, I'm always surprised that the, the nudity, and, and it's like, but you need to see it. You need to know for sure that they had sex. Yeah. You can't, it can't be left to the imagination. Like a lot of movies will just have a sex scene just for like the titillation of it. This is actually, it's actually a plot relevant sex scene. Like right. it's the conception of John Connor. John Connor, right. So it's interesting. Like there are very few mo- movies where, that's true. Where there's a sex scene that's re- it has like, to be there. It has to be there. Yeah. Right. So we um, the the Terminator does what it's supposed to do and seeks them out. He finds them. Uh, he's driving. Well, now he's driving. Oh no! They, they steal a, a truck from some poor guy. Yes. Uh, and it says "super off roader" on the front on like the 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 grill. <laughs> yeah. Which I don't know what the. I mean, this guy just loves off roading. He's a big uh, Ivan Iron Man Stewart fan, I think. Yes. And so they're, what, what I've got is, it, during this chase scene, they just keep throwing these pipe bombs, and they are not very effective when thrown out of a moving vehicle. They, I mean, they, they explode, but they don't, they don't uh, take out the target. They look pretty powerful, though. I think they just keep missing. Like, it yeah. seems like if they had hit him like, square, it prob- probably would do some damage, but you know, it's got to be hard to time that correctly so the wick you know, yes. the thing explodes right on top of him. But what you get is Reese gets shot, the truck flips over, and a, a, a semi-truck runs over the Terminator. <laughs> I love that semi-truck. Yes. How do they not see him? He's, he's like, ten seconds go by, he's just in the road, and then, bam, he just gets flattened by that truck. So, from that, though, what you, you get another another connection between T2 and, uh, and this one. When Arnold pops back up after getting run over by the semi, the partner, the younger guy in the semi-truck, he right. gets the get out. Get out. Yes. It's funny, you... you Think it takes longer for him to tell him to get out than it would be just to push him out or kill him or whatever. Or for that guy, if I just saw that I just ran over somebody and he got up right. and is hopping in, I don't think you'd need to tell me to get out. I would be getting out of that. Yeah, and, and you know, his half of his head, you can like he's right. clearly a robot. Like you can see the robotic eye and all that. Yes. Which, by the way, this makeup because here he's wearing makeup. Earlier in the, like, before, we were talking about that terrible puppet that looks very rubbery. Yes. Uh, this makeup actually looks pretty good. I'm surprised they didn't just use that for that scene or just go like, oh, that puppet looked terrible. Let's just use that makeup. Because the makeup looks actually looks like he's got a robotic eye. Pretty, like, yep. yeah, it's, pretty it's, real. It's good. <laughs> that, that, that rubber head was not, not, not as good. No. Um, so now that he's got the, the semi, he decides to use that as a weapon. What I have here is that he uh, hits Garth's car from Wayne's World. <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then the oil blows up. The, it, I mean, it didn't have the flames painted on it, but it looked like Garth's car. The Mirthmobile? Yes. Um, yeah, and then Kyle hides behind a dumpster and shoves a, 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 the pipe bomb into the tailpipe. Yes. And it's a, it's a really cool explosion. Like, yeah. Know, as, far, as explosions go, you know, there are plenty of movie explosions, but the way it, like, it tra- you can actually see the explosion traveling forward. Yep. You know what I mean? The bomb's in the back, and, they explode, and the whole thing, like, it's 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 really well done. Like they they actually put some thought into that explosion. It doesn't doesn't just blow up. It like it, it happens has in like a surge of energy, kind of moving. Yeah, it's really cool. And then uh, so from that, 
the, the Terminator really is an unstoppable machine. Although Arnold, unfortunately, is now no longer with us. But the uh, the skeleton <laughs> the skeleton's not done. It's it's a great reveal. That's why it's, it's a good thing they saved it. It's a good thing they didn't show the Terminators walking around earlier because in the future when right. he when he stands up and reveals like the the skeletal robotic form, yep. it's a great shot. And it, it, again, effects hold that shot in particular. The effects look great. Uh, it's interesting. I was seeing. I was reading somewhere that the, one of the producers or, or the studio, whoever financed it. In order to save money, they wanted to cut the whole. Basically, from here to the end, they wanted to cut. They were saying like they were telling Jim Cameron like that's that should be the end of the movie. The thing blows up, Terminator's dead. The end. Like save because you know all the effects of having the robot walking yeah. around and like it's really expensive and just like you could. They were, they were telling him like you could very easily end the movie there and save a ton of money. And James Cameron stuck to his guns and said no, this is not the end of the movie. There's more that needs to happen. And no, thank and God he did. No, and yeah, in many many ways because one, I do think that. It, it's a great reveal, but in particular, having this you know sequence, whatever, and it really this is where it really plays up the slasher of yeah. you know people are wounded and craw- crawling away. But more importantly, is that T two I, I, again? They could have come up with another way to do T two. I'm not saying it couldn't exist, but this was a brilliant you know leaving this material behind, not just saying oh it all got burned up in the oil explosion. Right, having that left around for Cyberdyne is brilliant. I mean, it it creates. The even better product that is T2 because it immediately gives you something to say. Here's how we can explain how how the Terminators still get created. And the amazing thing is, I don't know if you know, are aware of the deleted scene from the, from Terminator One that James Cameron deliberately set that up. It, you'd think like, oh, when J- James Cameron was writing T2, he went like, oh, there's a, still that arm. Smashed. Yeah. yeah. No, it wasn't an after the fact thing. There was a deleted scene that that whole factory, this the, this this end sequence in the factory. There was a deleted scene that revealed that is Cyberdyne. Oh, wow. And some guys come in and go, like, look at this arm. Like, that was in the movie, and then he cut it for time. You know, maybe if he had known he was going to make Terminator 2, he probably would have left it in. But it's like, that's the amazing part is, yeah, 100% set that up deliberately. It's amazing. Yeah, and, it, and it, it, I didn't know that, and I guess it is impressive. Even if it wasn't with the idea of, oh, I'm going to make a sequel to this, because, you know, we've kind of right, right. noted he doesn't necessarily make sequels, but the fact that... To establish the loop of it. Yeah, they established the loop that Cyberdyne Systems, the, the reason why they could advance in the technology as they eventually get to in T2, he's established. They, they just happen to be lucky that that's where the final sequence was, right? At their, their factory floor, they just happened to discover this technology. Right. And it's similar to the whole idea of John Connor sending Kyle back to cause his own conception. Like the the, the way this movie deals with these loops and the, the loop of that phrase of the future is not set. This would have been another one, and it's just it's really interesting. I think this is really the only time travel story that I know of, or at least a time travel movie, where it has these loops that like nothing is there's you can't trace anything back to its origin. It just loops around forever, you know, like that phrase. Uh, I think it would have been cool if he he left that in. It's kind of a shame he cut cut that scene. It is. Um, but anyway, we're, we're a little ahead of ourselves because there's this whole this whole sequence where they get chased in. Uh, yeah, I think that, I think I, mean, I know the Terminator is damaged or whatever, but it's a little. <laughs> it is a little silly how it's like whirring and sputtering. The sound effects are a little over the top. You know what I mean? It's just like burr, 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 yes. when it's walking. It's like tone it down a little bit. It it, it, it reminded me of the um, the. Oh, and I should I should remember it. it. It's been too long since I saw the first RoboCop, but it reminded me a little bit of the 
the original OCP product when it's trying to like handle stairs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it reminded me of. And you're right. It is loud and a little bit over the top. It might be the same sound effects. It, uh, it could it's, be. It's, it's, very it's been a while. But I used to remember the name of that robot. But the, the competing product that clearly was inferior to, to RoboCop. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was, it was superior in terms of a killing machine, but not in terms of a policing machine. <laughs> right. But as long as it was on solid ground, like, yes. it would have been fine. Uh, yeah, and Terminator chases him in. So there's some of these stop motion shots don't hold up. Like I think the the rubber head, the puppet head, and these a couple of stop motion where he's walking, like those are the only special effects shots that are kind of rough nowadays. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, chase them into this factory. I don't know what there is to say. I mean, it's Terminator just kind of hunts them down. Hunts them down, and it's, it's slow again. It, it it this really got me back into the this. It had been a while in the movie that it, it felt again like a slasher movie, but this you know certain end sequence definitely did. Um, and yeah. then you get the the satisfaction of um, you're terminated. Uh, the the line to to the Terminator. There's an f bomb there at the end as well. I know we're trying to keep it clean. And, and it, again, speaking of my edited version, in in you don't my memory, that. I was because I remember the edited version. I mean, that was clearly edited as a kid watching the movie. I you know I definitely remember it felt edited because she goes she goes like. You're terminated, and it's like you can like almost hear the beginning of Mister Falcon, <laughs> right? Well, no, they just, they just cut it out. But I know it's, it's so abrupt. Yeah, like you you can tell that they they made a slice there. Yeah, uh, but meanwhile, Kyle Kyle dies. He Kyle doesn't make it. He pays the slasher movie price. And he kind of sacrifices himself. Where he sticks the bomb in the it's the Terminator's torso. Yep. I like the Terminator's reaction where he's just like, oh, oh, oh. he just kind of <laughs> can't move to, fast enough. Nope. Uh, there's a lot of funny, like puppeteering. Not funny, like it's it's this Terminator is genuinely kind of terrifying. Even even now, like this robotic thing yeah. just keeps coming and keep coming. But at the same time, the, all the, they turn all the machines on, and there's like some, a couple of shots, like close ups of the Terminator, like looking around. You know what I mean? Like the robots are whizzing around, and it's just like, huh? What's over there? Huh? What's over there? It's just the shots of it looking around kind of crack me up. Yeah, and I, you know, I, I took it that it's also somewhat ironic too that it was. I know it was. I, it was Cyberdyne, but it's somewhat ironic, right, that other machines are what are doing the damage and that yeah. having that in the background, I'm sure it was completely intentional, but I like it that there's other robots and, and machines kind of whizzing and buzzing around and that ultimately a giant press is what does some the, the damage to the Terminator. Yeah, it's killed by a robot, basically. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's, uh, it is interesting. A machine. I mean, maybe not a robot, but, but whatever. But it's killed by a machine. Right. Well, you know. Whatever. Uh, an automated yes. <laughs> machine, at the very least. Uh, yeah, it's a great sequence. Yeah, you know, it's, it, it gets blown in half and it's crawling. You know, like it's, it's no, it, it's really it, cool. the crawling. Yes, by like it's. I mean, it clearly it will not. Th- this sums up the, the it will not stop until it no longer exists. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so yeah, it's crushed. I'm not counting the Terminator's death. No, you know what? That I didn't have. That that's fair. Reese is the last one. Yeah, absolutely. And then you have you know the final scene in Mexico. The picture is taken and kind of the loop, if you will, is closed. And uh, at least for me, that's it. That's the Terminator. One last thing: this kid is the same kid from Three Amigos. I don't know if, oh, I, I rec- did not know that. I recognize. I was like, where did I know that kid from? I looked oh, him up. Been, it's been a I, long time since I've seen the Three Amigos. He's the kid who goes, "Can I have your watch when you are dead?" He's that kid. Nice. Uh, uh, yeah, I looked him up. Well, his name is Philip Gordon. I don't know if he's actually Mexican. It doesn't, uh, you know, hard to say. But uh, those two movies he was in, and then basically nothing else. Yeah, but that's the movie, and uh, pretty great. It is. It holds up. 
it holds up well, both the story, the effects, it it still is impressive. And as we said, you know, it really launched into the the stratosphere for Arnold in terms of his career is this is the beginning launching point and you know, James Cameron, as you noted, went on an unbelievable run. But you know, for, for basically your, and I maybe he did, you know, something before this that is really small what but for 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 his first real movie, yeah, well, he's really impressive. He directed Piranha Two before this, which okay. I, I've never. seen. I thought there was something, but yeah. The the point is, is that for basically a complete unknown, yeah, writing a spec script, and you know, sci, you know, science fiction is taken for granted today. It, it was not a huge, huge genre in you know 1984. Well, it was, but not this kind of science fiction. Like yeah. I, there were stories about like. The market, like the marketing people, didn't want to sell it as a science fiction movie because they thought they would, they thought the people would, the assume, audience, they, yeah, they thought the audience would expect Star Wars. You're like, right. That's that's what people thought of as science fiction, and James Cameron's going like, no, this is like actual science fiction, not like swashbuckling space opera. Space opera. Yeah, this you're is, right. I, I I forget. I not that I forget about Star Wars, but I actually think space opera. When I think Star Wars, I don't think science right. fiction. But this, I know there's a ton of science fiction in Star Wars. This style of like hard science fiction, like true science fiction. Yeah, it was not big at the time. Like, and, and really hadn't ever, like, especially certainly anything this bleak. Like the, the, po- the whole post apocalyptic thing. I mean, Mad Max existed, and I think Mad Max did influence this mo- movie to a certain degree. Uh, I think James Cameron has said that, but. Uh, you know, not, that's that's not quite science fiction. It's post-apocalyptic, but it's right. more of a just a kind of straight-ahead action movie. Uh, yeah, and it kind of ushered this and kind of I think this and Blade Runner were the two movies that kind of ushered in a whole the whole era of you know, Terminator doesn't seem unique anymore. Like watching it from a modern perspective, it's like yeah, there are a ton of movies like this, but not at the time. No, was, and I, I think that's the, that's one of the things that I don't know if it's impressive, but just to put yourself back in 1984. As you said, we take it for granted now. Right. This was a huge... I mean, it was a relatively low budget, but it still was a big risk. And that's just basically a first-time director. I know he had done something, but writing a spec script, it's really impressive. And I mean, I'm glad that T2 exists because of the things that he was able to improve that didn't exist, and that's why I think T2 is better. But this is for efficiency. This is a really, really impressive movie. Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm gonna have to when we do T two. I'm gonna have to reevaluate because I get for I would have I would have said the same thing prior to watching rewatching the Terminator. But man, this is such a great movie. I, I'm not I. It's it's close to Terminator two for me. I I, I right. can't say for sure that I I would put Terminator two above the Terminator anymore. All right, because this, that's fair. This movie and there there are things about Terminator two that. I think my brain glosses over when I think back on it, so I have to re- I haven't rewatched Terminator Two in a long time either. So we'll get there soon enough. Yeah, I, I, when we do that, we'll have to make our ranking of what we think is better. But right now, I think I'll put the Terminator over T Two. All right, it's a close one. Well, I just you know quickly I wanted to kind of get back and as I open with a little bit of you know what was kind of going on in the world of movies in 1984. We covered some of them, but. So early in 84, uh, what, what I noticed, and not surprising, look, comedies were just some fantastic ones. And in terms of top 10 at the box office, you're not going to be surprised, but Ghostbusters was number one. Yeah. Uh, and Beverly Hills Cop was number two. And when I look at these numbers, 238 and $234 million wow, yeah. for comedies. And I mean, that is so impressive to me. 
Um, but but there were some other things that were that were interesting. But comedies were you know one and one and two, and you know for, for good reasons. Those are still comedies I still enjoy today. And well, they're, they're both action comedies. Like that probably yeah. helped them. They're not yeah. straight comedies. A, a, a broader audience yeah. for sure. But uh, in the straight comedy in March of '84 was This Is Spinal Tap, which is it invented. A, a genre of comedy and is among my favorites. The the genre being the mockumentary. Yeah. I think everybody will trace back to this is Spinal Tap. Yeah, absolutely. For those that haven't seen it, when I was a kid watching The Simpsons, I thought Spinal Tap was a real band. So if anybody out there thinks Spinal Tap is a real and and they have performed now, but don't feel bad. This is Spinal Tap confused and fools a lot of people. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> they're, they're big in Bulgaria and the other Garia, as they say in The Simpsons. Yes. Which is a line I still don't really understand, but it makes me laugh. Uh, but, you know, other companies just in that month, Splash, Tom Hanks, which was huge for his career, okay. came out. It's yeah. still, still something I actually, I haven't seen in a long time, but I think I'd still enjoy it. Uh, and the first Police Academy, which <laughs> actually, I, I like the first Police Academy. You know, I'm so, I'm so much less familiar with the first police academy than i am with two through six yeah <laughs> we had two through six my dad had all them all on vhs and i watched them so many times i'm not that familiar with the first one uh so what you're saying is he was like homer simpson trying to teach you uh um about law and order by what taking you to all those police academy movies <laughs> i didn't hear anybody laughing i didn't hear anybody laughing did you uh, uh, I, I man, I, I had really had a soft spot for the police academy movies when I was a kid, but uh, that, that, I'm sure they do not hold up. No, I'm sure that Homer is right. Uh, in the slasher genre, in April, I've got Friday the Thirteenth, the final chapter, which it clear it certainly was not the final chapter. Wow, was it that deep in in '84? That's the fourth one, right? I believe so. Yes. Wow, I would have never guessed they had, they had, they must have really cranked those out because I think the first Friday the Thirteenth was in 1980. Yeah. So four movies in four years. I mean, it doesn't surprise me that much. Those are cheap movies, but wow, that's crazy. So then later, uh, later you know, uh, another, I think number three in terms of the box office, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. I mean, yeah, uh, certainly understandable. And then, uh, so we're getting into summer, but Ghostbusters, and this is, this is what I've actually found. Uh, Star Trek three, the search for, uh, for Spock is a, is another kind of site sci- that's sci-fi. Uh, but kind of its own genre with, within it, yeah. um, and a huge box office success. But on the same day in June, Gremlins and Ghostbusters. That I mean, and Gremlins made a ton of money too. That was a lot of money being made. I mean, yeah, today you would you'd never see it. One one of those two movies would have dominated, and the other one would have got buried. It's really really impressive to me that. Both of those movies could have opened on the same day. And similar movies, too. They're yes. kind of horror comedy, like yep. horror action comedy. I mean, Gremlin, Gremlins was actually number four that year at $153 million. Wow. Yeah. And I, I still like Gremlins to this day. I'm a big fan of Phoebe Cates, but I, I like Gremlins sure. e- even without that. See, I, I like, I'm more of a fan of Gremlins, too, actually. Oh, I, I'm I more I, Again, more because we had it on VHS, I am more familiar with Gremlins, too, than the original Fine Gremlins. Uh, my my dad really had a problem with that. <laughs> now that I think about it, he had a lot of sequels that, but also didn't have the original. I think it's because he was taping them off HBO or whatever, which I'm sure the statute of limitations is up on that. So I'm sure so he he's, he's safe. He, yeah, I'm sure he doesn't mind. But uh, you know, HBO would get the lesser movies, so they didn't. They couldn't pay for the first Police Academy, but they paid for two through six. <laughs> get two through six, uh, and then going down later in June, Conan the Destroyer. So Arnold had. Two two movies out in 1984. Yeah, it's a good one-two punch. Although Corner of the Destroyer, have you seen that one? No, it'll be my first time when we watch it for this. You've seen the original though, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Corner of the Destroyer, not good. 
Okay. It's not as good as the, the first one. Uh, another comedy franchise starts in July. Revenge of the Nerds starts in uh, July of 1984. Wow, this is, this is a really a noteworthy uh, year. No, for comedy, it really is. And then here's one that's noteworthy for fun and maybe something we should consider one day. August of 84, Chud comes out. <laughs> okay. I'm certainly familiar with Chud. Yes, I'm familiar with Chud as well. Uh, just to keep going to the, uh, a movie I, I really, really enjoy and uh, does have a connection to our podcast. F. Murray Abraham and his Academy Award ah, for Amadeus yes. is in September of 84. Yeah. Uh, as we run through October 26th, I've got it here now for us. Uh, the Terminator comes out, so it, it really is a Halloween movie. Uh, and then just two weeks later... A Nightmare on Elm Street starts, so the that 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 uh, part of the the slasher genre fires up. That was like this year is like the 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 beginning of so many '80s franchises. That's yep. like seven or eight between Ghostbusters. Uh, that was the first Nightmare on Elm Street, correct? Yep. Uh, Terminator, Police Academy. Like, yep. Wow, the, the first movie of a bunch of franchises. And then the last one in December, Beverly Hills Cop. Yeah. So it, you know, and then it, it's like the last year of creativity in Hollywood, apparently. It, yeah. <laughs> it, from the, starting 1985, just nothing but sequels from here on. <laughs> I mean, there's some other stuff that was in the top 10 that I, you know, hi- highlight like Footloose, Romancing the Stone. But ultimately, you know, what I got from it was. Romancing the Stone is a sequel, too. Yeah. A, a lot a of. Terrible sequel. A, a lot of franchises, you know, got started a great year for comedies. And, you know, a lot of, you know, kind of slasher, you know, movies had, had come out. So that was what was, was going on in 1984. Two, you know, fantastic. I mean, Ghostbusters, a, a couple, but this is Spinal Tap to me. I, I, I absolutely love, and the start of, of the Ghostbusters franchise uh, and the Terminator franchise. Yeah, that's that's remarkable. It's it's a stark contrast to whatever that 90s year we went through. That 1996, Six? I believe. Yeah. <laughs> that was a terrible or 97. year. 97, no, I think it was for Batman and Robin. 97, it was 97, and it was brutal. Yeah, that was a terrible year for movies, but 84... That's pretty fantastic. Yeah. Uh, did E.T. come out? I guess probably a year earlier. Yeah, I think it was a year earlier. Okay. E.T. was before Gremlins. Yeah, it was 83 because it was before Gremlins. Right. Oh, that's right. Because 84, and that was also the year where the, the ratings changed, right? Cause I between, believe so. I think it was between Gremlins and Temple of Doom, people freaked out about uh, the like, movies getting too violent for kids or whatever. So. Yep. And that's when PG-13. Yeah, that makes sense. Was invented. So that was 1984. So, I mean, it, you know, it was interesting. Uh, Arnold had, had two movies, uh, one of which is certainly remembered more than the other. Yeah, and well, a lot better because Terminator is a great movie. Going to the Destroyer, not so much. But, uh, you know, I'm glad, you know, I mean, obviously we knew we were going to be rewatching this for our podcast, but it's a it's a movie that gets taken for granted, and certainly I took it for granted of just... Yeah, the Terminator, it's it's good, but Terminator 2 is... No, Term, the Terminator, this movie is fantastic. And it, a few flaws here and there, you know, scores inconsistent. Uh, some effects shots here and there, pretty shaky. Uh, but even like, you know, as nitpicky as we can be in this podcast, there are a few things where it's like, we're not sure if this makes sense, but not much, like, no. and very little. Like This this movie holds up. It, it It is so cohesive. Cohesive, efficient, and a very, very effective action script which it, it's easy for action scripts to be bad i mean as you said we've had a lot where it's like god none of this makes any sense it's really really efficient yeah and you get exactly what you want yeah so anyway so so let's uh so we kind of covered our counts already as we had 36 body counts yep. we, as we already said did you pick up a pun got zero i got zero too 
which is, is I guess, not that surprising, but it's a bummer. It is in a way, but uh, you know, James, as you said, that's not James Cameron style. No, it's no. not really the the type type of movie that this is. No, not really. But what I, I you know, I, I'm I'm glad that we are ending kind of this season on on the Terminator because uh, I we've had some bad ones, you know, some some duds in there. This was a good one to kind of end the the first eight, and I'm glad that we've set it up where each of the seasons, if we call for the 32, are going to end on a Terminator. Yeah, and it's good we can end the season on a high note, which I, if we get to our third season, we may not. They, that's kind of not ending on a high note, Terminator 3. But, yeah, I think it, I'm glad we – you're right. I think I, I agree. I'm glad we saved it for the end because uh, it's nice to see – it's nice to be watching a good movie on this podcast for a yes. change. Or a great movie. I'm not even going to – No, it's a great movie. It's really the first great movie we've watched. I mean, Arnold's been in a few, but, you know, even Last Action Hero, as much as we love it, we even said on that podcast, like we we love that movie. It's good, but it's, it's got a, a lot very of good movie. It's it, not a great movie. You this, can't this, say it's a great movie. The Terminator is a great movie. So yeah, and uh, as you said, we're not only wrapping up this episode, we're wrapping up our season. So uh, you know, this is this is uh, quite. We're a quarter of the way through Arnold's filmography at this point, so it'll be interesting uh, to kind of look at, look at what we've got so far and take stock. Uh, we're going to take a little bit of a break. It's uh, we're still kind of. A break of indeterminate length, let's say, because I think we're still kind of figuring out yep. what kind of a break we want to take. But, you know, we, we always kind of knew we were going to break this up into chunks. and uh, But we will continue to put up episodes. Uh, they'll be a little shorter, and they won't be about any specific uh, movies. But, uh, you know, uh, we'll still have an episode uh, in two weeks. And, uh, you know, I think I think that's what we're... Our first episode there, it'll, you know, again, be pretty short. But just to take stock of where we're at, look at the Highlights bigger picture. Of, yeah, and look at the bigger picture of Arnold's career and kind yep. of see where we're at. Uh, but anyway, that's this that's this show and that's this season. You have any uh, if you have any closing thoughts uh, outside of our normal business? No, um, other than I look forward to kind of a, the different format that we'll do for a couple of episodes, and um, and then kind of I'll be interested to see what you select for when we move back into season two. It'll be your pick for the next movie. Well, I, I, thanks for reminding me to bring that up because I should we pick now or should we wait? No, I think we can we can wait and we'll, yeah, let's wait. Well, for the last of the kind of transitional episodes between seasons, you can just right. reveal we'll, it at we'll, that. We'll pick in one of the one yeah. of the interim episodes. Yeah, uh, and also I think the next one should be your pick because I got the first pick. Like you know, the fir- in this season I got the first pick, which basically meant I got the pick. I got literally my pick of the litter, and you know it seems unfair to get the first pick every season, and also. It seems unfair to have you go last every season and Why not, not basically not get a choice because yeah you're, gonna, you're stuck with the Terminator. So okay, that's fair. I, th- I think first ep- first uh, episode back it'll be your choice. Uh, okay, if that's if that seems reasonable to you. Very reasonable. Uh, okay, but well, we'll decide what we're gonna cover at a later date. So uh, that's the show. Uh, so anyway, you can follow us on Twitter at Bed Puns Podcast, and if you'd like to reach out to us an email, uh, you can at questions at bpamg, and uh, I'm sure. Uh, we had plenty to learn this episode, so uh, if we've got our, uh, our our rule of a crisis. There certainly were a lot of crisis situations. There were many movie. crisis situations. Um, one situation is if you do enjoy this podcast, don't forget to uh, like us on your podcast app of choice, mm-hmm. and hopefully you're keeping taking stock of these rules in a crisis situation should you ever come face-to-face with a Terminator. What I learned is that never, ever tell your mother where you're hold up at when you're running from anything <laughs> whether it's a terminator the police never tell mom where you're at that's where they're going to come and find you 
So basically, just don't reveal that you're in a crisis situation to, to your to your loved ones. If you if you're gonna tell mom, give her a fake place where you're hi- hiding out. <laughs> it's funny thinking about the actual for crisis situation rules from Twins. I'm thinking about the second one: negotiate first, attack last. That, that's not a good rule when you're coming up against the Terminator. That's yes, for sure. uh, I, think, I think your rule makes a lot more sense. As uh, as as impressive as uh, Julius was in Twins. He would not. His rules would not hold up very well against the Terminator. <laughs> that's for sure. Well, so, yeah. it's great to end on a high note. Absolutely, that's our season. We'll be gone for a little bit. Again, we'll, we'll, we will have episodes, but they'll be a little shorter. But we will be back. So uh, until then, thanks for listening and stay tuned. We'll be back. Yeah.